Hi, everybody. It's Lynn Dempsey. In April, the Southeastern Fastener and the Southwest Fastener Associations held a joint conference and a tabletop show in New Orleans. And by all accounts, the event was a great success. We weren't allowed to bring our microphones into the karaoke bar where some of the real action took place. But our friend Baron Yarborough of Spring Nut and Bolt captured some comments from the show floor. This is Baron's first appearance as an FTR roving reporter, and he did a great job. So, everyone, here's Baron. I'm here with Jeff Beard, Ed Harper, and y'all are with Intercorp. So, how's the show going for y'all? Great, great. Good turnout. Good turnout. Lots of good people. Have y'all been here for the entire conference or just today? Just the show itself. Okay. Show. Y'all staying tonight? No, no, sir. No, sir. Heading back. Had so a, so no Bourbon Street. Had enough of Bourbon Street. Had a little taste. Had a good time. Ready to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Someone sounds hungover. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding with you, bud. <laughs> good times. Good times. Good times. Good times. Rosa Hearn, president of Women in the Faster Industry. Pam Berry of Advanced Components. And we are here working the Wi-Fi booth for the CIFA SFA show. And having a wonderful time. <laughs> so how's the show going for y'all? It's great. It's a great turnout. Um, I'm surprised of the women that came to support us, so it's fantastic. And we're giving out prizes and selling t-shirts. And that's always good. Now, for those of you who don't know, you're Rosa the Riveter. Yeah, let's get that straight. Make sure there's no confusion. <laughs> So, I know you were at the panel, uh, you were on the panel discussion, so what was your favorite part of being on a panel discussion? Uh, being the only woman on a panel was probably my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> the best part of the discussion was just learning a lot about business practices in the industry. And it was a, it was a great panel discussion. Uh, I took a whole lot out of it, a uh, whole lot of good stuff covered in it, and uh, I think that's going to be it for this one. Thank you. Thanks. Thank y'all. I'm here with... Trisha Dyer with All America Threaded Products. So how's the show going for you? It's going well. <laughs> awesome. So have you had fun on Bourbon Street yet? Of course. Short and sweet answers. I like that. We'll leave it, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Leaving it at that. Okay. Matt Roberts, WJ Roberts Company. Awesome. So how's the show been for you? It's going pretty good. Things are, uh, people are sticking around, wrapping up a little bit here at the end. Uh, it was a decent show, though. Plenty of people coming by the booth. Good, got some good leads. Awesome. Now, you're involved with a couple different associations. Yeah, I'm on the board with the New England Fastener Distributors Association and the Young Fastener Professionals. Oh, what a coincidence. So am I. <laughs> um, but you're also involved with... Southeast and Southwest, or yeah, the company that I'm I'm here with WJ Roberts is a member of both Southeast and Southwestern Fastener yeah. Associations. So we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of you at all these Fastener events. Yeah, we're trying to get back out there, to, uh, try to get our name back out in the uh, smaller markets. Sounds awesome. Heidi Voltrauer with Volt Industrial Plastics. I think it's been a great show. I always love these tabletop shows. You get to really network and spend some quality time getting to know people. So how do you think these compare to, like, the national shows versus the regional shows like this one? I, I think the national shows are great. Uh, I just feel like for our company, Volt, that you have that time, that face-to-face time with someone and really get to know them, and they get to know you and, and really get to know your company better when you have more time. But I think the bigger shows are great because you have a bigger audience, you have more attendees coming through, 
So I think they both have um, pros and cons. So more relationships or deeper relationships, exactly. both are good. Yeah. Okay. I like quality. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you've been here for a couple of the, the conference events besides the tabletop. Uh-huh. Uh, what was your favorite? Well, I thought the panel discussion was really great, just getting a pers- perspective from other people in the industry, and they all had different um, roles in their company. So getting those different perspectives I thought was helpful. And also you can kind of relate to what they're talking about. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was very interesting. I didn't fall asleep. I was in the very back. I, I stayed awake the whole time. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, have you been out to Bourbon Street yet? I Yes, I have been out to Bourbon Street. It's a little scary, but fun, I would say. Scary, but fun. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at Bourbon Street. I I have to agree with that. (laughs) Too scary and too fun. Yeah, exactly. It's time for Fully Threaded Radio. It is Fully Threaded Radio, voice of the FCH Sourcing Network. This is predominantly fastener-related talk radio for purveyors of fasteners and related threaded products all across North America and beyond. So if you buy, sell, manufacture, distribute fasteners, this is the podcast for you. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Eric Dudas here, and I'm joined, as always, by the co-pilot of Fully Threaded. He's Brian Musker. Brian, you doing all right? I am. I'm just trying to... Work out the purveyors bit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> a little more suited to um, England than the United States, I think. Purveyors. I think it's a perfectly acceptable term, right? Okay, right. Now we'll be talking about the um, English version of a custom-fitted suit. because they wouldn't never say custom, they'd say bespoke. It's their word for that. And how do you dress, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, we won't go into that. We're not going to answer that one, okay. <laughs> but we will speak to lots of other great issues on this episode, which is episode number 116, and we're publishing this time on May 12th, 2017. The feature segment today is a conversation with two California kids. They're the brothers who operate R&D fasteners out there in Rancho Cucamonga, Chris and Ryan McCaffrey. And I'll be very happy that you call them kids, I think, okay? California kids, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Something catchy about that, but uh, we'll get to know them a little bit and their business and, of course, their perspective on the fastener industry. We'll also be speaking with Bob G.Q. Bear. He's the president of the MWFA, and Marty Nolan, chairman of the Fastener Industry Coalition. They're going to preview the big fastener summit that's happening in connection with fastener tech in June. They've also got a few miscellaneous comments that I'm sure everyone will find interesting. Plus, fans of hydrogen embrittlement won't want to miss today's Fastener Training Minute with Carmen Vertulo. He knocks down the top 10 things you need to know about this scourge of the industry. He just completed a training course dedicated to the topic. That's coming up as well. Plus, the Fastener News Report. This time, Mike McNulty welcomes analyst Dave Manthe. They'll run down the Fastener Distributor Index numbers which just came in. 
another bunch of surprises in that report this time, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, a little bit like a seesaw, we might say. <laughs> it's getting exciting, you know, when you're when you're teetering on the edge of greatness, and then uh, you know the the road turns. Yeah, in the depths of despair, the next minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you'll hear during this conversation, there's no need for despair. Good. But but it's all coming your way, and of course that's due to the participation of our fantastic lineup of sponsors. Bryce, shout them out. The title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Stellfast and the Lindstrom family of companies, including Titan Fasteners. Stellfast, for service you deserve and people you trust. And the Lindstrom family of companies, Lindstrom, by any measure. Also sponsoring Fully Threaded Radio are 3Q, USA-made fasteners, Buckeye Fasteners, Fastener Fair Mexico, InSQL Software, the National Industrial and Mill Supply Expo, the Worth Group, Endy Industries, Farsenal, Vault Industrial Plastics, and Solution Industries, Homer Solution Man. So thanks to all of you. Thanks for continuing support and the support of Fully Threaded Radio. We appreciate it a lot. Let them know, folks, that you appreciate their support of the podcast. They truly are an outstanding group and, uh, well, they bring you the podcast in uh, in a very real way. Yeah. We look forward to hearing from you anytime, everybody. Get with us via email. That's FTR at FullyThreaded.com. And we're also out on Twitter occasionally where the handle is Fully Threaded. We have an announcement to make that's very exciting. We're very happy about it. We've just finalized arrangements with the Fastener Training Institute. And once again, we'll be sponsoring the Fastener Training Week Scholarship Essay Contest. This is the third year, and folks who take that course are eligible to sit for the Certified Fastener Professional Test. That's definitely a credential that goes a long way in this industry. And what's a 250- or 300-word essay to uh, <laughs> to get your name in the hat for that one? All right, so you've got to explain why this is going to be good for you in your future, and... Uh Lynn and Sue will be, as usual, reviewing all the people who write in and working out which really is the one that is the best one. Eric and I sit and just, we are out of this one, okay? <laughs> well, we manage the the submissions as they come in and, right. uh, and try and promote it as much as possible. We had a really excellent group of entries last year. And a cool thing is, is that even if you don't win the grand prize, you'll still be entitled to attend one of FTI's webinars. You can go out to their website at fastenertraining.org and see the whole list of webinars, and you can cash that voucher in any time you want to. So it's a great consolation prize, and, of course, you should be going for the gold because that certified fastener professional. It's absolutely worth taking the time to sit and write a good essay, okay? 100%. We'll have a press release coming out about this in the very near future, and the deadline for the essays is going to be September 30th, so you've got a little time, but don't put it off. Yeah. On the subject of Fastener Training Institute, those of you who are heading out to Fastener Tech 17, FTI will be holding a course entitled, what is it here, Why Fasteners Fail. That'll be on June 5th, so if you're heading out to Rosemont for the Fastener Tech, look that up think there's still seats available might as well jam that in too. get the most out of your visit 
Right, so you're giving a little, like, a comparison discussion about hydrogen embrittlement. I mean, this is, after all, your favorite subject. <laughs> well, I think uh, Carmen Rotulo's got that area covered, fortunately. But he might be, he might, he might need a little bit of backup help from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dream on. <laughs> okay. And, folks, I know you're dying to get to that part of the podcast, so we're not going to hold it up anymore. We'll be back to put a wrench to this one right after these words from our sponsors. Talk radio for the fastener industry. It's not really all that bad for the most part. Brian and Eric, fully threaded radio. You probably know that Lindstrom is an industry leader in metric fasteners. And there's a good chance you know we recently expanded to provide a wide range of high-grade inch fasteners. But what you probably don't know is that Lindstrom has made a serious commitment to earn your socket business. How serious? Well, let's start with 11,000 products. Announcing Lindstrom's expanded line of socket products, including socket head cap screws, flat head socket cap screws, button head socket cap screws, socket shoulder screws, and more. Plain, plated, or patched. In a full range of inch and metric sizes, special lengths and thread pitches available through in-house fabrication always packed to your specification lindstrom flexibility choice and value at every turn here for everything distributors need to learn more about lindstrom and our expanded line of socket products visit lindstromsockets.com lindstrom by any measure to speak with a sales representative call 1-800-328-2430 When top quality and outstanding service are at the top of your list in fastener suppliers, turn to Stellfast. Since 1976, Stellfast has grown to become an industry-leading importer and manufacturer of the highest quality industrial fasteners, specialty items, and automotive parts. Our array of facilities across North America and in Asia, along with full quality control labs and ISO 9001-2008 certifications, ensure the highest quality parts, and at Stellfast, they're delivered with undisputed service excellence. We're family-run and dedicated to your success. Our customers have come to depend on the expertise of our staff and the quality of our products. We also offer a wide range of secondary services to meet some of the toughest requirements you might have. Contact Stellfast today through our website at www.stellfast.com and put us to work for you. Stellfast, service you deserve, people you trust. Are you tired of empty promises from software vendors? Are you paying for support that you're not receiving? Is it time for another paid upgrade? There is a solution. InSQL delivers quality software designed for the fastener industry at an affordable price with industry-leading support. Unlike other software companies, with InSQL, you purchase your software once. There will never be a paid upgrade. If you need assistance with anything, InSQL is there to help. When you call, you will always speak with a real person offering you quick and knowledgeable answers to your questions. Can your current provider say this? Quality software, affordable pricing, industry-leading support. Only InSQL can deliver all three. So why settle? 
Call NSQL Software at 877-446-9775 or visit www.inxsql.com. I know my customer's yearly usage, but I don't have the warehouse space to store it. Solution Man can submit a blanket order and I'll not only set up release dates, I'll offer you bulk pricing too. Visit the Solution Industries website for details at solutionind.com. You're my fastener superhero. Just doing my job, ma'am. Hi, this is Mark Klossick with Vertex Distribution. I'm here at the Fastener Show in Chicago, and I listen to Fully Threaded Radio. Brian and Eric, back with you in the online Fastener Squawk Box. Fully Threaded. Hey, Brian, I was scanning LinkedIn the other day. Saw this flyby from Preston Boyd. He's VP over there at uh, Tramec. Okay. And uh, he's also the chairman of the IFI. And he's, oh. uh, and he's yeah. he says, uh, proud to be a participant in the IFI Washington fly-in to meet Congress on behalf of the fastener industry. Over 42,000 Americans are employed at U.S. fastener manufacturing facilities across the country. The fastener industry is critical to all segments of our base, including the defense industry and national security. It's hard to think of an industry that is not affected by the fastener industry or doesn't rely on it deeply. I suppose plastic toys would be one of them, but I don't think they make any of those in the U.S. anymore. I think everything's held together with something. Yeah, and plastic worms. (laughs) But other than that, pretty much everything. Right, yeah, and musky lures. Okay, very few screws in those these days. Well, but there still are. (laughs) I know, in the old ones. Yeah, the uh, eye screws. What do you call those, Bray? That would do. It'll work. Eye screws? Yeah, well, they don't really use those things now. They pull out of the wood, and they're all plastic. You're thinking of things that were in your tackle box when you were, like, 12 years old. (laughs) Yeah, I've still got some of the old ones. Well, in any case, aside from all that, yeah. see, folks, we've got a big responsibility on our hands in this industry, and uh, I know most of you are up to the task. I know you don't hang out on Twitter at all, Bri, or very much, let's say, what you're a lurker, but uh, do you scan uh, LinkedIn ever these days, or do you not bother with that either? Oh, I scan it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yet another password I have to remember, um, but I do. My view is that LinkedIn is a very useful if you are, I guess, younger and your chances are you need to keep your network of uh, business acquaintances up in case you need to find another job. I mean, that's very, it's very, very, very useful. That's not quite the world I'm in at the moment, okay? Yeah, I mainly scan it just to see if you're looking for a new job, you know. I don't know. <laughs> That's why I don't never put that stuff on LinkedIn, okay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You've got to be careful. Yeah. Well, I didn't necessarily want to go off on a jag about LinkedIn, but uh, I pay attention (laughs) to it, and there's frequently good info out there. We're going to have to invite Preston Boyd onto the podcast. I'd like to know exactly how they're interfacing with Congress, what they're what they're doing, you know, years back, the Fastener Quality Act was mm-hmm. in the headlines all over the place, and that was actually the original origins of the newly reconstituted Fastener Industry Coalition. So it would be good to have him to tell us all about what's going on. I'll call him. Yeah. 
who are the Congress people they talk to. I mean, that would be interesting for us to know too. Yeah. Well, it doesn't say here in this blur, but uh, they were out there. Maybe it's changing, changing minute by minute. Yep. Well, every two years we have an opportunity for a bloodbath. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be speaking with Marty Nolan, who's the chairman of the FIC, in just a minute, along with Bob GQ Bear. Before we get to that, though, I'd like to remind everybody, coming up June 20th and 21st, if you do business in South or Central America, or you're thinking about it, you don't want to miss Fastener Fair Mexico, there's still time to get yourself signed up for that. The website for details is fastenerfair.com slash Mexico. I know a handful of people that I talk to are heading down that way. And I think Rosa the Riveter is certainly going down there, and she'll be providing you special lessons in Spanish just to help you meet the people there. Yes, she's a reliable reporter on that on that show. Also want to remind you folks that we're the people who bring you the FCH Sourcing Network. It's a huge online resource for you. If you're ever looking for a hard-to-find fastener, a fill-in, or you need a new vendor for a part, it's a great source of information for you. Something like a million and a half listings as of this moment. It changes all the time, but uh, yep. boy, there's a lot of inventory out there. The website is fastenersclearinghouse.com. That's fasteners with an S, and yes, it's for skateboard this time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Skateboards and scrubbers, okay, I'm not sure. Right. It doesn't connect anything in the show thus far uh, discussed, but you'll get what we mean in a few minutes, everybody. Right. Fastenersclearinghouse.com, we'd appreciate it if you'd get out there. Now it's time to invite two perennial guests on the podcast. From Abbott Interfast and the MWFA, it's Bob Bear. And from RL English, Marty Nolan. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having us back. Always a pleasure <laughs> to be on the show with you guys. Thank you. Oh, you don't need to say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm softening you up. Written, a bit. I can tell. It's I can written tell. right here on the paper. Say, say this now. I follow directions. Oh, oh, Eric gave you that sheet. Oh, I didn't realize he'd given you that one. Yeah. You're screwing it up again, Brian. <laughs> Seems like when we're in the Midwest here, Chicago or Cleveland, we're always running into you. But most recently, we saw you out there in Long Beach. It was great of you to make it out to the Pac West and NFDA event. And uh, there were several other Midwest people, uh, Rich Cavoto, uh, Jackie, and a bunch of other folks out there. That was very cool. It certainly is nice to uh, to, to get around the country and see uh, other people in the industry outside of Vegas, the traditional big get-together. And um, it was a nice event. Enjoyed seeing everybody and hope that those West Coast people will reciprocate and come our way this right. June. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I thought it was a very good event. A lot of, lot of attendees. Um, well worth the trip. Yeah, well, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, our big event coming up here in June, which is Fastener Tech, but uh, I agree with you guys. One thing that strikes me um, when I travel the country and go to the various association meetings is, uh, you know, as different as the crowds are, lots of the issues remain the same. In other words, uh, one of the hot topics in the conference was uh, supply chain issues. You know, and you've got people all across the country in our business. They're all scratching their heads on the same thing. And it's been like that for years, you know. It seems like uh, we all share some of the same concerns, questions, and uh, it's always good to uh, to meld in those events. 
Yeah, it is, Eric. Wow, that was a great comment. <laughs> okay, yeah. Marty, you and I got Not on the timing show. down here, I guess. <laughs> I'm being polite and let him go first. And he's being polite and let me go first, and nobody's talking. What have you been up to over there at MWFA, Bob? <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, the MWFA is always busy, and, um, you know, you talk about meetings and, and sharing topics and issues across the country and you know we do all have the same issues because we're in the same industry and the MWFA is is constantly striving to put content out to our members that's relevant and current and and takes care of some of those industry issues but uh it, it becomes increasingly difficult to plan events uh that are relevant and sometimes you see some of the topics over and over, and you know, we do borrow from each other, uh, associations. If somebody has a good topic, you know, we sure want to present it to our members. And then by the same token, when we run across something new, we're happy to share that. And, and a lot of that, I think, is, is the whole premise behind what has become one of the missions of the Fastener Industry Coalition, and we'll talk about that later, is, is sharing across associations. But uh, we've been pretty busy. We had a, a couple of really good meetings in February. We had uh, William Strauss, the uh, Chicago Federal Reserve representative, back out uh, for our joint meeting with the uh, Chicago Midwest chapter of the Surface Finishers. I think it's National Association of Surface Finishers. That's a that's a mouthful to say. Um, and speaking of mouthfuls, mouthfuls, Bill had an awful lot to say about the, the past few years, and uh, we were really hoping to get some. Uh, inside info on Trump administration and what might happen, but unfortunately the Fed is not in the business of uh, predicting. But they are in the business of telling you what has happened, and while there were no predictions or policy changes noted, they uh, normally don't talk about that, but they definitely had some comments regarding the uncertainty of the uh, upcoming Trump administration and what impact that might have on the economy going forward. Right. Well, all you got to do is look at wall-to-wall Goldman Sachs up there still, so the swamp hasn't been drained, so that's a big clue. Right, right. But it was a well-tended event. We had 90-plus people there, and um, like always, Bill does a, a great job of presenting and talking and engaging the audience, so uh, we were we were very happy with that event. One of the things I like about having Bill Strauss up there is because he's a not just a, an a operator over at the Fed, but he's also actually a professor, an adjunct um, with DePaul, I believe, too. So he makes it understandable for lay people as as much as you can understand monetary policy. Yeah, that's correct. He he teaches, I think, actually teaches at a couple colleges, and um, so he's very good at putting things in in terms that we can all understand. By the same token, uh, it, it crams his schedule up a little bit, so he's not as accessible as he used to be. Um, let's see. In March, actually, we had our annual meeting in Milwaukee, and this was uh, this was a fresh topic. It was uh, very timely with, with so many businesses moving to the cloud and increasing their presence on the web, social media, e-commerce, you know, etc. Uh, we had uh, Byron France of the FBI out to talk to our group about cyber theft. And um, a very interesting uh, seminar. It's it's kind of scary <laughs> to look into the amount of theft that goes on uh, via the internet. And then we're not just talking about hacking websites and and hacking bank accounts. And we're talking all the way down to technology and, and intellectual secrets and blueprints. And it's amazing. Uh, needless to say, China and Russia came up quite a bit during the conversation. <laughs> 
yeah, I really wanted to go go to that one, and we heard something else on it that day, which is really a pity. Um, it's a subject near and dear to anyone who's running a computer site um, and is trying to protect their people's information, their members' information. Mm-hmm. It's tough. <laughs> Yeah, I got to say, I don't have much in the way of intellectual property out there, but uh, uh, every time I log into my brokerage account, I'm amazed there's any money in it. I just, I just don't get how that works. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty funny when when you're in a seminar and people have their phones and their laptops, and you got to a point where you discuss how you can be sitting at your desk and they're literally watching you through your own camera, even though it doesn't show on. Yeah, and, and recommend that everybody tape their cameras off when they're not using them. And people are looking at their cell phones going, are they watching me right now? I wonder. <laughs> uh, it was interesting. Uh, we we have, uh, there are a few pictures in the um, Midwest uh, MWFA.net on our photo gallery from the event. And I believe we screenshot uh, Byron's pretty much outlined like a 30-step program to beat cyber theft. We screenshotted it, and it's up on our website. So if you did miss it and you're listening, uh, and I know most of you listen to the uh, podcast on a regular basis, um, by all means, go to our website and and look at those photos. Uh, there's a screenshot outline of this program, things right. to do, probably good worthwhile. Ad- very good advice. Okay. I will be doing that, I can tell you. <laughs> You know, you made a comment about more and more fastener companies moving out to the cloud and just throwing a question out here to the group. Do you see that? And, and the reason I ask is because I know, oh, geez, it was three, four years back, NetSuite was making a big play into fastener distribution. Um, they had a couple different flavors branded for our business, and uh, I just didn't think they really made a a big um, dent in the market. You know, we've got a handful of ERPs that everyone seems to use. And the cloud-based ones just don't seem like they're on the fastener industry's radar yet. Um, I have, we recently upgraded our computer system and um, put a little plug-in for them, I suppose. Denny Cowie's Business Edge system is what we use. And we thought about going to the cloud and, and ultimately... Um, like you say, there's a few big people out there that everyone seems to use, and we wound up migrating to one of them. And when we evaluated it, by the time we got done, we decided to keep our own server in-house for that sort of stuff. Um, we did migrate some of the other stuff out to the cloud, but th- this is an area that I know probably just enough to be dangerous in, and uh, I'm not I'm not well-versed enough to talk and advise people on it. We, we had a lot of discussion back and forth before we decided against it. Personally, I have a, a, my brother's ex-Navy and, and in the family, and he preaches to me all the time about trust issues. And so yeah. personally, I don't trust the cloud. I wouldn't put my information out there. It might be old school, but I know a lot of people do, a lot of companies do, and, and of course, that's why we have seminars like cyber theft these days. Right. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, I'm not advocating one way or the other, but I think you're 100% correct. That is the prevailing attitude within the industry right now. Is people just don't trust it with data. They just don't see a convincing reason to put all their enterprise data on the cloud when their in-house servers seem to be doing a good job. That's just the way I'm seeing it. 
Yeah, one of the issues is if you have an in-house server, obviously you need the staff to take care of it, maintain it, and or have an outside consultant come in and do it on a regular basis. And so some of the mindset these days is to get away from that. You know, you don't have to hire an IT guy or a hardware guy. You put it all out in the cloud, and, and they take care of it for you. And there's some merit to that if if it was, you know, if you can trust it and it was foolproof. But yeah. um uh, I, I don't think China is focusing on coming into Abbott's uh, interfaces or to MWFA's website right now. They, there's bigger fish to fry than us out there, I'm sure. <laughs> if, never if know. You never know. <laughs> if that's something they were actually doing. And, again, you know, there's so much speculation out there. But uh, Well, look, you, you can't tell. We have, you know, we have like six different servers, and two of them sit idle just waiting just in case something goes wrong. The Chinese hacked into one of our idle servers. Okay, last year, and um, I didn't realize. I just sort of I wouldn't know because we don't have you know we're, it was sitting totally idle as far as I was concerned. Turned out that the company called Tencent, which is um, what the teenagers in China used to send pictures of themselves to each other on, was using our server and worked out how to hack into it to use it as a relay server. Fifty thousand emails an hour. Oh my gosh. Okay. At this point, I'd like to say hello to all our listeners in Beijing. <laughs> right. Yes. And thank Followers. you for hacking into our servers. Okay? Of, which, of which there are numerous. <laughs> we're not putting right. the blame on the whole country, folks. But, <laughs> but we, we're just telling you like it is. Right. So yeah. this is sort of a you, know, you sort of think you can be complacent, and all of a sudden you wake up and realize, hmm, what's going on with the server, okay? I mean, if we'd been using it, would have as a you know we would have known because it would have been the performance would have been degraded. But it was just sitting as a, like an emergency auxiliary server, and someone worked out how to hack into it. It was an emergency auxiliary server to someone, just not yeah. you guys. <laughs> yeah, right. would have been would have been really funny had they sent you an email asked you to upgrade your software because your server's too slow <laughs> for them. <laughs> My server's slowing down. Yeah. <laughs> It was very funny when we find when we finally worked out how they'd got into it and closed that out. And it was and it was you know I guess leftover from older days. And there was some port that was left open that was closed on all our main servers. I don't you know how how they find these things. Well, Brian, all I could say is you better get it out to mwfa.net. Take a look at those slides and uh, maybe that will yeah. prevent it happening in the future. Fastener Tech's coming up, and both of you guys are super involved in that. That's going to be a huge event. Of course, that's the biggest event in North America outside the Vegas show. And, uh, Bob, you're the president of MWFA. Of course, Fastener Technology are the partners on that show with you. And uh, about ready to pull the plug on this one? We are. We're, we're really excited. What a lineup this year. Um, you know, between Nancy and, and, the, and the guys out at Fastener Tech, Putting this thing together and our own Fastener Tech Committee, uh, that does this planning for, you know, the upcoming every other year. Everyone's been working very hard on it, promoting it. We're, we're getting some local, um, I don't want to call it a postcard, but like poster boards out to local companies trying to get them to post it in the unusual places, you know, not just in the office, but in the, in the warehouse and the manufacturing plants and try and, and get people out to this show because it really is an educational show uh, above and beyond the sourcing and the networking and everything else. The show just becomes so much more. And with this year's lineup, I mean, we, we start on Monday and we have some seminars 
uh, Why Fasteners Failed, presented by FTI uh, Training Institute. On Monday, that goes from 8.30 to 4.30. It's an all-day seminar. And, and those guys are just super instructors and really smart guys. Uh, if I had the time myself, I would attend that thing. Tuesday, the show opens from 10 to 5. And also during the day, Tuesday, we have some couple other educational seminars put on by Spiral uh, and Fastener Technology International, followed by a... Um, a happy hour in the technology center from 4 to 5, and then, of course, the famous all-industry reception, also known as the Fastener Bash, uh, Tuesday night from 5 to 7. That's just a packed day from morning till night. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even though the reception is from 5 to 7, I can, can tell you, and Marty could probably attest to this, it will go on well into the night. Oh, yeah, the bash is only a warm-up. We know that, Bob. <laughs> yeah, our... Yeah. our it's funny how our industry is just famous for drinking and liquor uh, to the point that, the, that if I recall last year, the Emerald Exposition people were really, really concerned about how they were going to take care of that. <laughs> and, and, I wouldn't um, call it they were concerned, but they observed the fact and, and they made note of it publicly uh, that that was something they noticed about our group. Yeah. Well, we have some uniqueness to us, I suppose. There are worse habits to have. <laughs> Um, Wednesday, the show is uh, kind of reduced. It's from well, one, nine to one is a good stretch still, but yeah. uh, starting at one o'clock, uh, we're really excited about having the Fastener Summit, um, first one presented by the coalition, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Let me get through the rest of this schedule here. On Thursday is the uh, industry's largest golf outing, the Midwest Fastener Association golf outing held at Chevy Chase this year in Wheeling, Illinois, not far from Rosemont at all. And that starts 10.30 in the morning with registration, a chipping contest. Um, we'll have lunch between 11 and 12, and then shotgun start at noon, followed by um, golf. And generally, we will sell that out. So those of you listening, if you haven't got your reservation in, uh, being the tail end of this five-day, four-day event, um, it's going to sell out, so I recommend that you get your foursomes before it's too late. Hear that, Bray? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm thinking of all the other got very good golfers. We know, we know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we have some very good uh, sponsorship, and so there's going to be some really unique prizes this year uh, at the golf outing, some different stuff. In fact, I know... Uh, a couple of prizes that are that we normally don't have are going to be on a couple of part three holes. I don't want to give away the uh, the surprises now on the podcast, but it probably it'll be news already by the time the podcast breaks. Uh, but it, it's always a fun event. The golf event's always fun. Well, you can you can certainly count Bob on the fully threaded thirty pack of Bush Light Award going <laughs> off to the best mulligan of the day. That's kind of become a tradition. <laughs> I'm going to put that down. I don't know why we don't have that on our sheet, but it sounds like it should be on there for sure. Of course sure. it should, and that, of course, comes with an attractive, fully threaded baseball cap, which is suitable for golfing, so... Ah, uh, yeah. If you can't aim high, you got to aim low, right? <laughs> I just got a text from Nancy Rich. I think that announcement just sold out the event, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Bob can verify that. Yeah, the hats are sought after, I can tell you. <laughs> that is the bush light. <laughs> the golf scores are going to come in all awfully low this year as a result. <laughs> People are actually going to count their their strokes this year. Is that what you're saying? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, different. I you know, that's a really good combination in our industry. People drink and then they have to count strokes. You wonder why the scores come in the way they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's rewind then and talk a little bit more about the Fastener Industry Coalition Summit because that's been something that's been a long time coming and you've got a really, really high-end lineup of, of uh, presenters for this. Yeah, and aren't we lucky to have Marty Nolan on the line? He's the chair of the coalition, so I'm going to let him take the lead on this. Thanks. I know you guys are have had people on from the Fastener Coalition before, so I don't want to recap too much about what we are or what we're doing, but it is all the associations working together uh, make up the Fastener Industry Coalition. It's There's a delegate from every association that's sent to be on the board and this event is what the board came up with to try and see how the industry associations can work together. And uh, I will give credit where credit's due. I remember having, I think it was a lunch or breakfast with Eric Dudas and just shooting, uh, uh, you know, talking about some ideas and, and shooting things out. And he said, why don't we have a fastener summit where we have speakers and so on and so forth as Eric gets excited doing. And <laughs> I don't think he even remembered that I noted that, but I brought that idea back to the board. And it really was something they're interested in. And again, folks, you have to realize this is our first attempt doing this. And all the associations together have not tried to pool their resources to put on an event like this. Um, concept is to try and have speakers and, uh, you know, programming that we might not have been able to do individually at our associations, whether it's uh, trying to get a you know, larger group to come attend or higher end speakers. Or, or whatever, the goal is to possibly one day have, you know, whether it's a one day or two day event where you'd have, you know, potentially you'd have people from different industries speaking, maybe someone from the truck industry or aerospace or uh, who knows what. And maybe we would be able to afford speakers that our individual smaller associations wouldn't be able to, uh, wouldn't be able to afford. Uh, I've always enjoyed going to the Vegas show, but they've not really had a speaker series there. They've left that to, you know, different associations would maybe sponsor a speaker, but there's never been a panel of speakers, an all-day event, and the goal will be to improve and get better content every time we do this, should we do this again. So that's kind of the premise. Uh, you know, this is... Uh, something we're hoping the industry will support we hear from a lot of people they want the groups to work together maybe not have conflicting programming or events on the same day in different parts of the country and so we're, we're dipping our toes in the water with this event but i think it's going to be very good we had a lot of support early on from rob harris at ifi uh he helped us get some of the speakers um and you know Bob, I know you have it with you. If you want to just real quickly tell who the speakers are, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it again. Sure. I have the lineup here. Um, and again, as Marty mentioned, this is a long time coming. You know, this is, this is a great way to demonstrate how all the industry uh, associations can work together. And I know that's always a big comment on all of the surveys, uh, all of the shows that the industry needs to get together and work together. So this, this first attempt came together very nicely. With the help and the aid of delegates across the country because that's what the FIC represents. So this is again June 7th. It'll follow the close of Fastener Tech and our first session from one to two. Uh, we have the Lauren Baker group. Um, and then we're calling this government relations. 
And both Marty and I had an opportunity to see these folks uh, early on at an early FIC meeting in Washington. And they're really dynamic. They've been involved in our industry uh, with the government for 40 years. And they've been involved in the past with IFI. They've worked on the Fastener Quality Act. And it, it's really interesting timing that we have a new Trump administration. And by the time June comes around, that would have been in place for six months. It'll be interesting to see if there's anything that this group would be able to tell us about that and how it may affect our industry going forward. So that's from one to two. Uh, two to three, we have the Fredonia Group, and I think many of us, including the the audience, are familiar with them. Uh, they do business surveys across the country. Uh, they're a leading international research company, and they regularly provide surveys and insights on U.S. and global markets, for especially for fasteners. Uh, I may be mistaken, but I think that they might have spoken to the NFDA in the past. Again, this is the kind of speaker uh, that maybe an individual small association on their own would not be able to afford, but by virtue of this being a joint venture and, and everybody coming together, we have the opportunity to see these groups together at, at just a nominal cost. And, and Mario will probably talk about the cost of the event and why it's so cheap in a few seconds here. And I, when I say cheap, I mean economically cheap. Uh, Three to four, training for the fastener industry, Rock Valley College Manufacturing Training Center. There's a lot of buzz going on about that opening in Rockford. They're going to share information about their program. Um, it's a program for training cold headers, something this country desperately needs more of. Skilled workers are going by, have gone by the wayside. It's really hard to replace them um, with Trump in place. We really hope a lot of that's turning around. And so, again, this is very timely. Uh, they're going to talk about the operators, tool design, and skills necessary, specifically related to fastener manufacturing. So uh, that'll happen from three to four and at uh, four thirty. I'm sorry, three to four thirty. At four thirty, our keynote speaker is Bob Davies. Um, again, he's a speaker known for his ability to connect with crowds uh, using humor while teaching them to achieve their goals. His topic uh, for our event will be the 1.2% factor, how a small change leads to large results. And, and basically, if you have any kind of project sitting on your desk or something coming up, this this is a great sales and management seminar to be at and to listen to him. He's, uh, he's going to pack a lot of stuff in in an hour and a half. He's also a, um, I think, a, 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 I don't know what they call it exactly, a number one Amazon bookseller. And a lot of his stuff is available uh, on Amazon. He's got his own website, bobdavies.com. So he's the highlight of the summit, and uh, he'll close it out from 4.30 to 6. Sounds great. I, I think it is a great lineup. And, you know, some of the people speaking and the topics that are being addressed are specifically from picking people's brain over the last couple of years. You know, when I when I mentioned earlier that they, the concept came from talking to Eric uh, you know, about this idea of a fastener summit. But, you know, I've had numerous people, I would ask them, what do you think the coalition should work on? Because we've kind of searched for our purpose and identity. And I'd have different people tell me different things. You know, I want more, uh, why don't you guys do something with sales training ever? You know, we always get technical training. What about sales training? We think Bob Davies answers a little bit of that. Um, the Rock Valley program, I mean, they're putting on a cold heading school. I believe they've already had their first class go through and graduate so imagine you own a million dollar piece of equipment you don't want to send some young kid in to operate that but we still need to get young people interested in the trades and this is helping to bridge that gap 
they hope, we hope. So before you let a kid get involved uh, running a machine, you send them to three months school, learn how to, you know, program or set up cold heading machine. Uh, there's a few other topics that will be covered in that hour and a half. Uh, we will ask, uh, we're asking Fastener Training Institute to update us on some of what they're doing and I think there'll be a little bit of information in, in there about the Fastener Education Foundation. I know you guys have had people on, but we'll get some updates on that. Um, I think we've really tried to listen as much as possible to the input from the industry when we put this together. So we hope that people will, uh, will attend. The cost of attending the Fastener Summit is $150. And what we've also agreed to do is that is for the first person from a company. Anyone after that first person would be able to attend for $100. So we're hoping to, that some companies send multiple people. And this event, again, is happening on June 7th. That's a Wednesday following the close of the Fastener Tech show, but the day before the golf outing. So it's a good segue kind of an event, among other things. And congratulations to you, Marty, for spearheading this because you really carried the ball on it. And uh, Rob Harris gave you a lot of help, as did many others. Bob, you, you did great work on it as well. And so uh, we're wishing you all well on that. Where do we go to sign up? Probably the best place to sign up. There is a link right on the Fastener Tech sign-up page. So if you go to Midwest Fastener Association website, you go to sign up for Fastener Tech. Within that sign-up sheet, there is a place to sign up for for the Fastener Summit. And if you get confused and have trouble finding, contact me, contact Nancy Rich, and we'll help you through the process. Now, Bob, you're once again the president of the MWFA. Did I not see an email flying around recently that was announcing some kind of a rebate for MWFA members? You did see a, uh, an email like that. Hopefully you saw it a couple times, and we continue to send it out, especially to our members. Um, we, we believe wholeheartedly in supporting this event. It's, it's going to fill a time slot for us in between our events, and we put it there specifically with the idea that we would hold people. Um, if you're in the industry and you're going to be around for the last day of the show and around for golf, or if you can hang around, this is an event well worth attending. Uh, try to attend a lineup like this on your own. It would be well over seven, eight, maybe a thousand dollars. But because of our sponsorships, we've been able to get this price way down uh, due to generosity of a bunch of companies. And the Midwest Fastener Association further decided that it would sponsor all of its members for the first person of each company to the tune of $50. So, in effect, we're making the price $100 for every MWFA member, uh, company employee, uh, no matter how many go. And uh, that, that rebate uh, will happen uh, just for one person from each company. But uh, we have sent that out, and we've been email blasting it out. So I appreciate you mentioning that also on the air. Well, how's that for non-stick cookware, everybody? Well, a great deal. Get out there to the MWFA website, or you can go to Fastener Tech or the Fastener Industry Coalition. It couldn't be easier. And the event, once again, is Wednesday, June 7th. It's happening in concert with Fastener Tech out there in Rosemont, Illinois, June 5th through the 7th. Eric, one last thing. Real, real quickly, I want to add, every association from across the country, including national associations, have contributed money to get this thing kicked off. Every single association participated. And then we are still looking for sponsors to help with the cost. Um, we've got a handful of sponsors that have stepped up. If you would be so kind as to let Bob 
read that list real quickly. I'm letting him get practice because he's actually going. He's actually going to be the MC at the event, so I want him to keep practicing. <laughs> Bob, can you real quickly let them know who our current sponsors are? Yeah, sure. We could we go through the list here. Um, these very generous companies and sponsors. Again, the reason why the cost is so low, in addition to all of our uh, member associations who contributed. But from a company standpoint, we have Central Wire. Uh, Distributor Link Magazine, International Fasteners, J&M Plating, Lindstrom, RL English, Star Stainless Screw, Trey McHill Fastener, Emerald Exhibition is sponsoring lunch uh, for the summit, Solution Industries, um, Brighton Best International, and Rick Rudolph Associates to date. Wow, that's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, it's very it kind of people to step up. Yeah, and there's still a lot of opportunity. Um, we have a lot of big companies in our industry um, that regularly advertise, and this is a great opportunity for them to be to truly be part of something that is an all-industry event. Yep, that's right. Well, thanks, guys, for filling us in on that. We wish you all the success on this. Yeah. And, uh, again, it's the maiden voyage, so, uh, you know, you'll probably learn a few things, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be pretty successful, as will Fastener Tech. We've been talking with Bob Bear of Abbott Interfast and MWFA and Marty Nolan with RL English. Thanks again, guys, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. And that was not written down. That's just from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank what you, was guys. Written down? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks again. Always, always a pleasure to be on the show and uh, very generous of you guys to invite us on to talk about this. So, And we'll be right back with more Fully Threaded Radio. Fastener Talk Radio. It's like feng shui for the fastener industry. Brian and Eric. Fully Threaded Radio. Fastener friends, if you're looking to celebrate a big sale, or if you just want to unwind after a tough day on the job, do it with the golden brown goodness of Old Rusty Bolt Beer. It is the finest tasting beer in the fastener world because Old Rusty Bolt beer is brewed specifically to satisfy the palates of fastener folks everywhere. That name again, Old Rusty Bolt beer. An Old Rusty Bolt added to every bottle to enhance flavoring. Get some today. The preceding message was brought to you by Buckeye Fasteners and the Howden Bolt Company, official fastener show sponsors of Old Rusty Bolt, the preferred beer of traveling salesmen. Damn Rusty Sancha. ND Industries has been solving customers' toughest problems through innovative technologies, competitive pricing, and industry-leading service since 1955. A family-owned business, ND Industries manufactures and applies fastener locking, bonding, sealing, masking, and assembling products. Their pre-application process makes fasteners ready to use at the point of assembly, resulting in reduced labor costs, time savings, and superior quality assurance. As a fully integrated company, ND handles all aspects of operations from formulating custom chemical compounds and coating fasteners to providing inline inspection, packaging, and delivery services. ND Industry serves the global market with 13 divisions in the continental U.S. and also facilities in Taiwan, China, and Turkey. Learn more about ND Industries at our website at www.ndindustries.com. ND Industries. Innovative technologies, competitive pricing, and industry-leading service. Contact ND today.
Fastener Distributors. 3Q Inc. is the best-kept secret for all of your fastener needs. 3Q is the premier sourcing solution for the fastener distribution market. 3Q offers stock and release programs on all special fastener products, from flat washers, lock nuts, cold form specials, to bolts and screws. Looking to add the highest quality line of self-drilling screws? Check out the pull-tight line of serrated self-drilling screws. They bite. Distributors who know of 3Q wonder how they ever operated before without the high level of service and quality support provided by 3Q and their staff. The number three, the letter Q, 3Q Inc. Quality products, quality service, quality customers. Welcome to 3Q. This is Gary Plipnik from Fastenal. You're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Enjoy the rest of your day. I saw a tweet fly by from Link Magazine, which I know you didn't read. Well, no, you can't know that. I see them fly by. Whether I spend my life in the depths of Twitter world is another matter, but I do see the things that come whizzing by. Well, you should tweet at least occasionally, so <laughs> we know that you're you're not just BSing us with all this lurking talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I get these... Marty would agree with you, okay. <laughs> anyway, Link Magazine was pointing out that Volt Industrial Plastics is celebrating 25 years in business. There's a link to a short video, which is very nice, and uh, we'd just like to salute our friends at Volt on the occasion and also thank them for being sponsors of the Fastener News Report since, gee, since almost the very beginning. Right, yep, that's true. And I noticed they are at the show over in... Um Long Beach, too. And I'm sure we'll see him at Fastener Tech in Rosemont next month. Yeah. Yep. We're scheduled to have Volt founder Joe Voltrauer on the podcast in June, Bry. Oh, okay. So tune in for that, everybody, and uh, you can catch that along with full coverage of Fastener Tech. And you guessed it, the sponsor of the Fastener News Report today is Volt Industrial Plastics, along with Fastenal. The title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Stelfast and Lindstrom. Builders of big booths. <laughs> yeah, this year Lindstrom's going to be kind of like our fortress of safety. We're set up right across the aisle from them, so hopefully they'll be a magnet for lots of traffic this year. <laughs> Good. Out there in Vegas. Yep. Actually, I, I'm, Lynn and I are out in Vegas in like two weeks' time. I'm meeting some friends that are flying through from New Zealand. So we're going to specially go out and have a look at this new um, exhibition space and the hotels and things and check them out to see what they're like. Oh, cool. I know a lot of people have been asking me about what I think of that facility. Of course, I've never seen it, so you'll have to report back to everybody on that. I will. I will. Because I, I have no idea anything about it. But I will know in a couple of weeks. So the next podcast will give you a, a review of it, okay? Man, the anticipation is building for the June <laughs> episode. I know everyone's Germans would say gespannt, or we'd say with bated breath. <laughs> Perfect. But now it's time for the Fastener News Report with a guy who is so focused on fasteners. Except except when he loses baseball. Yeah, that's true. He he was a little off after the Indians <laughs> lost. But aside from that. Yeah, usually. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. With news about screws you can use, here's Mike McNulty.
Thanks, Eric and Brian. This is Mike McNulty from Fastener Technology International Magazine bringing you the Fastener News Report, which is sponsored today by Volt Industrial Plastics, makers of the world's finest plastic fasteners. At the end of last month, the Cleveland Browns had what may go down as their best day of 2017 when they were able to draft three players in the first round of the NFL draft, triple their win total of 2016. On paper, the Browns are looking good today, but since the NFL plays its game on actual football fields, I am still focused on fasteners and ready to deliver today's fastener news report. In this episode, we're going to reveal the latest results of the Fastener Distributor Index, also known as the FDI. Also in today's broadcast, we have our top story on the Fastener Hall of Fame and newsmaker headlines from the Auto Bolt Company, Bay Fastening, Research and Markets, Spring Bolt Nut Manufacturing, and Worth Industry North America. On the back page report, we're going to talk about education trends. We'll get to all of that in the latest FDI results right after this. Whether you need a small or large number of fasteners, there is no reason why you should have to sacrifice quality or service for that matter. Volt Industrial Plastics takes great care with each and every order to ensure you receive a quality fastener in a timely and affordable manner. Our state-of-the-art production equipment allows us to produce any quantity you request quickly and efficiently. And with same-day shipping on nearly 1 million in-stock fasteners, we carry an inventory so you don't have to. Visit us online at voltplastics.com to find out more about our quality American-made products. Volt Industrial Plastics, manufacturer of the finest plastic fasteners in the world. For a selection of hundreds of thousands of fasteners, check out your local Fastenal store or Fastenal.com. We can stock domestic or internationally sourced product locally and keep your bin stock filled for you at no additional expense. We are a 9001-2008 certified company that's made a huge investment in quality control so you don't have to. And if you can't find it on our shelf, we can make it for you at the quantity you need at one of our many manufacturing facilities. Learn more by contacting your local Fastenal store or visiting Fastenal.com today. Did you know Mexico accounts for 34% of all trade in Latin America? Hi, everybody. It's Lynn Dempsey, here to announce the meeting point for the Latin American fastener industry. It's Mac Brooks Fastener Fair Mexico, which takes place on June 20th and 21st, 2017 in Mexico City. Fastener Fair Mexico attracts manufacturers, distributors, suppliers, and end users from across Latin America's fastest growing industries. With over 2,000 buyers, more than 200 exhibiting companies from around the world, and a highly informative distributor business development conference, this third edition of the show is set to be the biggest yet. As the leader in worldwide fastener exhibitions, Mac Brooks has pulled out all the stops to provide maximum value for any fastener distributor operating or considering doing business in Latin America. Don't miss Fastener Fair Mexico, June 20th and 21st in Mexico City. For booth space, details, and to register online, log on to www.fastenerfair.com slash Mexico. That's fastenerfair.com slash Mexico. Back to the Fastener News Report with Mike McNulty. In April, the FDI fell down to 50.2 after hitting 60.0 in the previous month. Fastener Distributor Index data is collected and analyzed by the FCH Sourcing Network, the National Fastener Distributors Association, and Baird. 
The FDI seeks to identify demand pricing and outlook trends within the American fastener distribution industry. To get some insights on these somewhat disappointing results, we talked to Dave Manthe, Baird Senior Research Analyst. Hi, Dave. Thanks for joining us on the Fastener News Report. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me, as always. So, what happened? <laughs> From well, 60 to the, 50. Uh, the, F- the FDI for April was a seasonally adjusted 502 and uh, that's down quite a bit sequentially from the uh, 60 that you pointed out that we saw in March and 57 in February. But I think it's really important to, to take a step back and think about what this number is. As a diffusion index, as we've said in the past, when it's greater than 50, it implies expansion or, or uh, things getting better. When it's below 50, they're getting worse. And I think it's important to look at that progression to say that when you come off of two strong months like that, when things are getting better, and then they're getting better on top of last month's better, it's increasingly difficult to continue that streak of things getting better and better and better. So what I would point out is the 50, I would consider it not so much as disappointing news as maybe just a pause in that the base that we built in February and March and year-to-date actually it's basically saying we're sustaining that. We're not backsliding to this mm-hmm. point, and, um, and it implies things are still growing quite nicely. So the old adage is that trees don't grow to the sky, and I think that uh, definitely applies here to the, uh, to the FDI as a diffusion index. So, so take a deep breath. It's not as bad as the, the almost 10-point drop suggests. We're still in the growth range. And uh, also I think you know April had some unique characteristics, of fewer, fewer working days because of holidays and things like that. That's true. Yeah, there was um, the the Easter holiday, the Good Friday in there. Some people count it as a selling day, some don't. Uh, A number of moving parts. But I think when you look at the trends overall, what we saw in 2016, you remember, was that what we call the sawtooth pattern, just up and down month after Mm -hmm. month, really no direction. So what that means is respondents were saying, okay, it's getting a little better, and now it's getting a little worse, and now it's getting a little better, it's getting a little worse. Um, so far here in, in 2017, things have picked up. They got better and a lot better, and now they're being sustained at that, at that good level. Right. Okay. Um, and I think that when you look at the indicators that are out there today, that, that growth that we're seeing, even though if it's a little bit more moderate than we thought it might be, it seems sustainable. Right. And something that would bolster that would be the, uh, the forward-looking indicator that, uh, that you guys have added. The FLI you know, actually uh, increased versus last month. It did. It was uh, in April 58.9, and uh, that was a slight uptick from last month. Uh, If you remember that index, even though we didn't release it then, but uh, looking back, it increased every month from September of 16 through September, uh, I'm sorry, February of 17, uh, down a little bit in March, now back up here in April. I think it's important with that number to look at. Over the past two years, the average has been about 52, and, and that would uh, include a period at the beginning of uh, 16 or even the, the, the late 15 where it was good, and then the middle of 16 where it went slightly negative, below 50, and uh, now back up and sustainably so. So if, also, if you look retroactively, the 61 that we saw in February was the all-time record high that we've seen since 2012. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we're saying with these diffusion indexes, that you just can't sustain that level of, of betterness. At some point, it's, it's really, really good, and it's not getting any better, but it's still um, very good. So, But l- like you said, Mike, based on 
the um, the forward-looking indicator that we're seeing right now um, that is positive and expansionary. The significant reset that we saw in the uh, in the FDI, which which gives you a, a, a little bit of an easier base, and um, you know, good end markets here, uh, supportive. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a moderate rebound in the FDI next month based on all those uh, indicators we're looking at right now. Yeah, and then the other thing I noticed that the the six month outlook from the respondents is still pretty strong, like ninety seven percent expected to be the same or better six months from now. That's right. I think the uh, the tone would be considered optimistic, and yeah. um, even if it's not increasingly opt- optimistic, because it's been in that ninety percent plus range uh, for a number of months now. It's pretty good. And when you look at the comments that we heard, uh, one respondent said their backlog doubled in April. Um, one said it's going to get very busy. And another, and I think this is really, this, this comment is really important as it relates to this concept of a diffusion index. He said, I rated the activity the same as the previous month. So he checked same. And he said, uh, but it's still considerable growth over last year. And that's yeah. exactly what we're talking about here. So the growth is still very good. It's just not accelerating, at, not getting any better, but staying at a very high level. Still growing pretty good. Yeah, I looked over the comments, too. They're, they were, you know, surprisingly positive or neutral. There was two complaints that I saw. Somebody complained about the new Fastener Fair trade show in the USA being announced and about another one complained about health healthcare costs, but I guess we could all complain about healthcare costs. <laughs> right, there are a lot, right. There are a lot of shows out there, but to me that would suggest that there's a lot of shows that it's the industry's fairly, it's healthy and it's attracting uh, activity. If it wasn't, there would be fewer shows, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think for sure we're, we're getting the sense that there's a, a bit of renewed optimism out there around the industry and uh, even if the April growth might have fallen short of the expectations that people had, whether that was coming off of the election or the new year, um, uh, in a very, very strong February and March, it's just um, things continue to be pretty good in general. And I, I really don't think things are rolling over now. It just seems like we're in a, a period where we're taking a, a pause that refreshes. That sounds good. How about the, uh, the general economic data in the, in the country? Yeah, so thinking about the um, the U.S. economic indicators, if you think about um, the uh, ISM from April was 54.8. There, too, a diffusion index down for two months in a row off 50, almost 58 in February for them, which is the highest level they've seen since late 2014. Uh, both new orders and production components retrenched a bit following those really strong numbers. Um, construction spending remains good. Single-family housing up 5% year-on-year, uh, multifamily up 7 um, We've mentioned before the, the one negative as it relates to the manufacturing uh, ecosystem broadly, manufacturing structure is still down 10% year-over-year. And I think some of that is just tied to the fact that manufacturing capacity utilization remains in the mid-70s, and we don't need to build incremental capacity at this point particularly in an environment where the industrial production is either negative or only growing slightly. So industrial production was up 1.5%, and that's after being negative for most of the 2015 to 2016 period. So overall that, the the regional surveys, uh, GDP was a little bit um, lackluster in the first quarter at plus 07 
But, um, you know, uh, we seem to be at full employment levels. The unemployment rate just 4.5%, which is uh, some of the lowest levels we've seen in 30 years. So I think the, the trend here we're seeing from that data, along with the respondents to the, to the survey here, are consistent with a, an economy that's in pretty good shape. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Now, I know you guys track a lot of, uh, a lot of different companies, public and private. What are you hearing from, uh, from your contacts? Sure. On the private side, um, through our typical research process at Baird, we, we get input from hundreds of contacts across many industries. And um, when you look at the uh, the first quarter, many of the contacts that we talked to had very big um, first quarters, but the second quarter and the 2017 outlook was mostly for growth that was about the same as the first quarter. So I think that goes along with the, the trend that we've seen here in the FDI. Um, but um, most of the durable goods manufacturing industries that would have um, overlap or at least have uh, implications for fasteners inflected higher in the first quarter. Things like metalworking, cutting tools, uh, general industrial MRO, gas and welding, those sorts of things. So uh, I think the industrial economy, based on that data, is growing, and um, and those are positive indicators. And then from the public company side, we heard from Fastenal regarding their April daily sales. Their the growth was 8.9 percent. And mm. if you uh, strip That's out good. FX and acquisitions and days and things of that nature. It probably it, it could have been as high as nine and a half percent, which is accelerating from the six seven percent range in in um, you know, February and March. So, uh, Fastenal seeing some some good results. We expect to see double digit growth there even by the end of this year, um, which might be a little bit better than what we're hearing on average. But uh, but really positive trends there, and that's the most current information we have right now, um, and, and it's and it's positive. Well, sounds pretty good. Like, uh, sounds like a pretty healthy economy, and we're still growing and looking forward to some more growth. That seems to be the the outlook right now. And um, you know, again, this is all about expectations, particularly in the in the public market. So, if things are maybe not growing quite as fast as they were expected to 90 days ago, that's one thing. But I still think we're seeing at least moderate growth across most of the uh, durable goods and markets that we follow, and uh, and that uh, seems to be a pretty good environment for uh, for the fastener industry broadly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you're doing a good job on this report, and I'm, I like this addition of the forward-looking indicator gives a, a better whole picture of what's going on. So uh, thanks for the work and for the detailed reports that you provide. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me, as always, and, uh, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks. That was Dave Manthe of Baird. The FDI number for April was 50.2. To be part of the process, visit www.fdisurvey.com, and uh, if you participate, you get the uh, the complete report that, uh, that Dave and his uh, group puts out. Now for today's top story. The National Industrial Fastener and Mill Supply Expo Hall of Fame is seeking nominations for the class of 2017. The Fastener Hall of Fame was established in 1982 to recognize and honor those individuals who have made significant contributions to the betterment of the fastener industry. Individuals are not selected based only on their personal achievements, tenure, or their financial success of their business, but rather by what they did to further the industry as a whole. Inductees are recognized at a special event during the Las Vegas Fastener Show, and they receive a commemorative plaque as well as a $500 donation to the Fastener Industry Scholarship Fund of their choice. To nominate a candidate for the NIF MSE Hall of Fame, visit www.fastenershows.com. Next up, today's Fastener Newsmaker Headlines. 
In acquisitions and expansion news, the Autobot company purchased a new Ingrammatic RP420M automatic thread roller. The Bay Supply Company division of Bay Fastening Systems has expanded its distribution line to include FAR fasteners and tools from Italy. In marketing forecasts, a new report titled Global Aerospace Fasteners, Market Analysis and Trends says that the global aerospace fastener market is poised to grow at an annual rate of 7.9% over the next 10 years to reach almost $11 billion by the year 2025. The report is published by the firm Research and Markets. In personnel news, Tim Malone of Springbolt Nut Manufacturing in Texas has stepped down as president in preparation for his retirement at the end of June 2017 after 38 years of service to the fastener industry, including work at Bolt Manufacturing and Walker Bolt Manufacturing. Tim Malone's partner, Richard Sively, will be taking the leadership reins for Springbolt Nut Manufacturing, keeping his current and well-earned title of Senior Havoc Manager. And three employees for Worth Industry North America, WINA, will take on new roles and positions. Eric Wilk is the new managing director for Worth-owned company Oliver H. Van Horn. Marco Rodriguez will take over as director of key accounts for WINA. And Victor Campos is the new general manager for Worth Industry de Mexico. You can get details on all these stories and more in Fastener Technology International Magazine and its companion publication, the Fastener News Report newsletter, available in print, PDF, and flipbook editions. Finally, let's turn to the back page to talk about education trends. When I was growing up, there was a lot of talk about the three R's of education, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Regardless of the fact that the slogan encourages sloppy speech, We were taught that mastery of these three was the foundation to success in any area of study or any vocation. Today, we hear more about STEM education than the old-fashioned three R's. Science, technology, engineering, and math are now touted as the key to success and happiness at all education levels and for people of all ranges of talent and interests. This, of course, is foolish and makes me think of two teaching moments from my past. One when my high school history teacher chastised me on the importance of reading about the past, my least favorite subject at the time, to prevent repeated disasters in future. And two, my college English professor telling me that unless I could write clearly something that I hated, then no one would ever care or know how much I knew about mechanical engineering, my undergraduate major. So, if we focus too much on STEM and ignore the basics like reading about the past and writing persuasively, not to mention admiring good art, debate, philosophy, and theology, then we run the risk of blindly embracing political campaigns that promote socialism while forgetting the horrors of the 20th century, and we get activists marching in the streets of Washington, D.C., protesting a fictitious war against science. And finally, we have a somewhat likable PBS character from the 1990s, Bill Nye the Science Guy, turning into Bill Nye the Science Nazi, and all knowledge of the actual scientific method is lost in the process. This has been Mike McNulty of Fastener Technology International bringing you the Fastener News Report. Please send your news, pictures, comments, corrections, or complaints to me at mcnulty at fastenertech.com. Don't bail now. Up next, it's a gnarly segment with Chris and Ryan McCaffrey of R&D Fasteners. It's fully threaded.
When top quality and outstanding service are at the top of your list in fastener suppliers, turn to Stellfast. Since 1976, Stellfast has grown to become an industry-leading importer and manufacturer of the highest quality industrial fasteners, specialty items, and automotive parts. Our array of facilities across North America and in Asia, along with full quality control labs and ISO 9001-2008 certifications, ensure the highest quality parts, and at Stellfast, they're delivered with undisputed service excellence. We're family-run and dedicated to your success. Our customers have come to depend on the expertise of our staff and the quality of our products. We also offer a wide range of secondary services to meet some of the toughest requirements you might have. Contact Stellfast today through our website at www.stellfast.com and put us to work for you. Stellfast, service you deserve, people you trust. Searching for a quality supplier of cold form parts in the new year? Then you should give my friends at 3Q a call. Hi everyone, it's Brian Musker. And if you're a distributor handling shoulder bolts, double end studs, weld studs, knurled bolts, or other cold form threaded fasteners, then the people at 3Q will provide you the highest quality products with an outstanding customer service. Also specialising in SEMS washers, double coil lock washers, sheet metal screws and other specials, 3Q has been building its reputation as a specialty fastener distributor since 2008. Check 3Q online, then give them a call today. www.3q-inc.com That's the number 3, letter Q-inc.com 3Q, quality service for quality customers. Five thousand three quarter ten by nine and three quarter grade eight zinc yellow tap bolts right away, but they're not a standard size. Solution Man Ken, I carry a wide variety of sizes and I can quickly cut them to any length. See Solution Industries website for details at solutionind.com. Using your bare hands? I do use a saw and smaller parts actually. Hi, everybody. This is Carmen Bertullo with the Faster Training Minute coming to you from the Carver Fact Center in San Diego and the Faster Training Institute. This past week, the Faster Training Institute conducted an amazingly great program on hydrogen embrittlement in Wixom, Michigan, near Detroit. Salim Brahimi and myself put the program on with some help from Lawrence Klaus at a facility he set up for EOT fasteners. It was a very good program, well-attended, hands-on, two and a half days. So out of that program, I made a list of 10 things that are the absolute minimum you should know about hydrogen embrittlement if you're involved in fasteners. When we return, I'll tell you about them in a sort of rapid-fire fashion. So get out a pencil and write this stuff down. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks, Carmen. This is Joe Morris with the Fastener Training Institute. Summer may be approaching, but don't take time off from investing in yourself or in your employees. It is a great time for fastener training. 
On May 9th in Los Angeles, California, we are hosting Fastener Secondary Process Plant Tours. During the day, we will tour ND Industries, Pentrate Metal Processing, and Sonic Plating. Although this is a required class for obtaining your CFS certification, anybody may join us, and we certainly hope you do. This class will give you valuable knowledge in the critical secondary processes that complete Fastener Manufacturing of Parts. On June 5th in Chicago, join us at Fastener Tech for Why Fasteners Fail. This is a full-day workshop instructed by industry leader Lawrence Klaus. Using real-world examples of fastener failures, this workshop will explore how threaded fasteners are supposed to function and why they fail. This workshop is designed for anyone, new or well-established in the industry. Then, FTI's monthly webinar series continues to explore fastener failures with Carmen Vertulo instructing a two-part series on fastener failure investigation. The consequences of a fastener failure can be absolutely devastating to everyone involved. Poor processing of fastener failure can add to the problem by costing your company thousands of dollars and lost customers. Proper processing can help you save money and keep your customers. We will offer part one on May 19th and part two on June 23rd. Our webinar schedule for the remainder of 2017 is posted on our website. We are always looking for webinar sponsors, so please look at the schedule and consider this way to support FTI and fastener training. For more information about our classes, please visit our website at www.fastenertraining.org. Now back to Carmen for our Fastener Training Minute. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is Carmen Vertulo with the rest of the Fastener Training Minute. It's going to be more than a minute. It's going to be fast. Today, we're talking about hydrogen embrittlement, specifically internal hydrogen embrittlement, the kind that occurs when we plate high hardness fasteners. So I'm going to tell you 10 things. They're not all technical and not a lot of detail. So here we go. Number one, fasteners above a hardness of Rockwell 39C are susceptible to hydrogen embrittlement. Number two, zinc electroplating is the main coating to be aware of, but there are other processes that provide the source of hydrogen that is needed. There are three must-have components for hydrogen embrittlement to occur. This is number three. The high hardness of the parts, a source of hydrogen, and a high load. That is, the fastener must be tightened down. Number four, the signs of a hydrogen embrittlement failure are a delayed failure. That is, the fastener does not fail immediately upon installation. It takes a little bit of time. And a brittle fracture surface. I also see two other common threads in hydrogen embrittlement failures. One of them is no or poor quality management system in place. And the end user says, we've been doing this for years and never had a problem. Number five, a prevention strategy is to bake after plating and to test after baking. Some specifications require it. Number six, there are some excellent technical resources that you should have, one of which is Salim Brahimi's paper, Fundamentals of Hydrogen Embrittlement in Steel Fasteners. That's free at the IFI website. That's the Industrial Fasteners Institute website. And two articles that I recently did for Link Magazine, one on baking and one on failure analysis. Number seven, you must get some training in hydrogen embrittlement. The Faster Training Institute offers training, and the Carver Fact Center here in San Diego offers hydrogen embrittlement training. Number eight, you must have a comprehensive hydrogen embrittlement risk management strategy. Number nine, get some help. Even if you have a good strategy, get another set of eyeballs on it, and I can help you with that. 
And finally, number 10, be prepared when this occurs. Don't have a hydrogen embrittlement failure suddenly appear and not be prepared to deal with it. One way that we get prepared again is we get some training. Well, that is the absolute least you must know about hydrogen embrittlement. Each one of those 10 things is probably worth a couple of hours of discussion. So contact me at the Carver Fact Center or contact the Faster Training Institute and get prepared to deal with the hydrogen embrittlement issue. This has been Carmen Bertullo with the Faster Training Minute. Thank you for listening. This is Leo Kaur, editor of Distributors Link magazine, and you're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Brian and Eric, back with you. Hey, Brian, um, you know, we frequently refer to the Pac West as the grooviest of all the fastener associations. Well, you may do that, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> that might be true. And they might do that to themselves. Well, okay. <laughs> I would hope it's catching on a little bit. They're, I think, entitled to that moniker. Well, with that in mind, we've got two of the grooviest guys from the Pac West. Joining us now, it's Chris and Ryan McCaffrey. They're with R&D Fasteners. Hey, guys, welcome to Fully Threaded. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. Well, it's great to finally have you on. It took us a little while to set this thing up. I mean, uh, you guys are pretty high energy. Everybody knows you out there on the West Coast for sure, and we'll talk about your geographic uh, activity of your business a little bit in a second here. But uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy getting to know you a little bit while we while we talk here. But uh it was great to see you out in Long Beach at the Pac West NFDA event a couple weeks back. I'm glad we were able to arrange this discussion. Yeah, that was a good event, man. Well attended and a um, lot of energy. Uh, and it was great to get a really good representation from the NFDA as well. It was a, it was a blast. We had a great time. Well, the people attending like us who fly in sort of occasionally, um, it was a good show for us too. I mean, we met a lot of people we haven't seen for a while and... Um, and I just like some of the things, the good mixture between uh, NFDA and the Pac West. They have little things they specialize in, both them together make a pretty good show. Yeah, absolutely. We covered that pretty extensively on episode 115. Uh, folks, by the way, that was Chris. That was his voice. The next voice you'll hear is Ryan. Chris is the one with the white beard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had someone ask me the other day, is the, is the beard, uh, is, how long have you had the beard? Is that your thing or what's going on there? You know, I, I get questioned about the beard quite often. Yeah. Now, would you consider yourself, be honest now, are you a fastener hipster or are you a little bit uh, too old to be a hipster or how's that work? Well, I'm a Gen Xer, okay, uh, but I would not call myself a hipster. I, I employ a couple of hipsters. I, I think I kind of predate the hipster, um, Maybe the original hipster is what you want to call it. Right, right. That whole look, it predates the hipster phenomenon. I, I pretty much saw that one coming. Now, of course, <laughs> Ryan, you're, you're bearded as well, but a little bit less of the ZZ Top look happening there. 
Yeah, Chris and I get uh, confused for each other. I think probably a fair amount. And uh, in earlier years, it was probably a little more understanding. Today, you can really figure out who's who based on the amount of gray. Although I am starting to catch up to him a little bit. But yeah, my beard's generally a little shorter and not quite as gray. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention. I'm not going to say a thing there. <laughs> Yeah, Brian's a member of the very, very light brown hair club as well, so no, no worries. Yeah, I used to be the light brown for a very long time. Then it got really light brown, okay? Well, hey, Eric, I, I think I saw a little white coming in with you uh, when you were out in California. So. <laughs> it's happening, you know. It's happening. Once one pops up, you can't stop it. No, it's probably Hey, guys, we're going to talk about, I think, several different things. But before we get on that whole bandwagon, why don't you give us a thumbnail of R&D? You're operating out of Rancho Cucamonga, California. Your manufacturing concern primarily. You've got a, a pretty interesting footprint in the industry. Give us the uh, thumbnail on what R&D is all about. Sure. This is Chris. Thanks for asking. You know, we're a, we're a small business, privately owned in Southern California, Rancho Cucamonga, we're nestled right at the foothills of the Sierra Nevada. It's about halfway between Los Angeles and Palm Springs. So we're in a we're in the perfect little spot. We really like it here. Uh, but what R and D does is we're a hot forging house and a CNC machining house, and we really specialize in standards and specials. Our main markets are military shipyards, anything energy waterworks and construction and uh you know if someone needs a critical high temp faster and they need it quick and they need it right we usually get the phone call and what markets are you selling into geographically i know you've got some reps working for you in uh the midwest but i'm not really sure beyond that what you got going i'll tell you about 80 percent of what r&d manufacturers goes east so we, we primarily service the East Coast from the north all the way down to the south and then quite a bit of the Gulf states. So our two largest markets are military shipyards and then the, all across the energy sector from petrochemical to natural gas, oil drilling, offshore subsea, refinery, nuclear waste, all that kind of stuff. Um, so given the fact you're on the West Coast, how did you get into really specializing in, I guess, construction shipyards, which are really all on the East Coast? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, so when you talk about shipyards, uh, well, we do have a fairly large one in San Diego, and, right. and that does account for a fair amount of that business as well. But the East Coast shipyards and the product that the Navy buys, it's, it's a little bit twofold. So one, it's high nickel materials and yeah. you know that's a little more pricey and the approvals you have to have to you know really be uh in the shipyards heavy with the level one sub safe uh, approvals and things like that really make geography not that important you know as opposed the counter to that is if you're talking about commercial construction um you know high-rise buildings bridges things like that of course that that's a you know a little lower cost, a little more competitive, so it becomes a bit more geographic because that is a little harder to travel. Right, that's sort of interesting. One of our largest competitive edges being on the west coast and servicing the east coast, we have a little more time in the day to service our customers. <laughs> our customers will call us for they'll call us in the afternoon for a. Uh, a part that has to be manufactured from scratch. It's going to re involve 
heat treating, testing, sometimes other secondary processes like uh, uh, outside processes like plating or, or uh, self-locking. And uh, if a customer calls me at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the East Coast, it's 12 noon here, yeah. and I've got time to get the bar out of my inventory, which we have a very large raw material inventory of nickel. Uh, I grab that, I can cut it, get it headed and off to heat treat, or possibly heat treat it in-house and ship a real critical fastener uh, in just a couple of days, if not shorter. And uh, that helps us really build relationships with our customers to where we, we use that geographical space as, a, as an advantage for us. Uh, and right. customers definitely take advantage of it as well. Yeah, having the little experience I have in that, the construction part of that industry is that um, if you need something made out of one of the very fancy materials quickly, and it could be that you have a ship disabled because you've got one single nut that uh, needs to be replaced, <laughs> yeah. the costs are very high for the, the, the military, to, uh, and the need to keep them going in a hurry is great. That, that's exactly right. Or you could have a uh, you could have a power plant you know sitting on the east coast that has a float valve or something go down and they need some specialty sockets and they need them today because they've got a million customers that are out of power and at that point price isn't really the issue it's who can get it there the quickest and correctly. Yeah, correctly, that's true. Okay, interesting market actually. Yeah. <laughs> We really work as close to the East Coast time as we can because of that. And I think one yeah. of the most common things I hear is, well, you guys are in already. You know, we pretty much start working the 6 o'clock hour on the West Coast. So there's not a huge delay if you're in the Central or Eastern time zones for, you know, getting a hold of us. Yeah, well, that's really, I guess, a pretty good competitive advantage. But uh, it's not very California. No, I know. <laughs> I guess I guess that gives you a leg up, right? Yeah. Well, hey, we have a lot of fun in California as well. I mean, there's plenty here, uh, but the work ethic has to match that of your uh, industry. So we we match and mirror, my friend. Well, that's a good way to be, and I think you're uh, you're probably doing a pretty good job of that. Because, uh, well, let's just say it this way: you know, the word gets out. However, I will add that when we were trying to set this call up, Chris, I was calling you yesterday afternoon, and I finally did catch you. You were out there on the links. <laughs> Yes, I was. So you're doing a good job of balancing everything up. But no, I know you're at a charity event of some kind, which is, you know, that's very fascinating industry, right? Yeah, well, our our owner is heavily involved in the local YMCA. And so this was a YMCA fundraiser. And we're really fortunate that many of our suppliers and customers jumped into that. So Although it was not a fastener industry event, I was able to rub elbows with a lot of industry colleagues that are just out to support and help the YMCA, which is an incredible organization, uh, you know, nationwide. Yep. Right on. Uh, yeah, when we were talking on the cell phone, I was getting ready to tee off on a beautiful uh, hole the 14th, and so I had to hand the cell phone over to someone. I, I hope uh, I hope you heard the, the club hit the base of the ball uh very clearly there as I smacked it about 300 yards down the middle. Oh, it was dramatic. I could tell. Yeah, it had just that timber. <laughs> yeah, you were on the green, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that's not true, but uh, yeah. my golf game's not there. Anyone who listens to this podcast on the East Coast knows well that <laughs> I go out there and uh, shank it. I'm not, I'm not quite the golfer. <laughs> Good, at least you're honest. See, I am honest, too. 
I don't even I don't even class that as as a game I even know anything about. Well, you got other things going on, uh, but uh, speaking back again about that event in Long Beach, the Pac Western NFDA event, they had a owners conference and a managers conference, and uh, we did what you guys did. We each went to one of those conferences, and so I guess both of us were joined up in in there. And uh, Ryan, you were actually sitting at my table. And uh, I could tell you're, uh, even though you're a fun-loving guy, you're also a pretty serious-minded guy. One of the things that Brian and I constantly are amazed at, and since you're in manufacturing, you're probably pretty good guys to opine on this, is the general lack of interest in the fastener industry, at least among people that we talk to, with the oncoming or let's say the advent of the oncoming advent of additive manufacturing, 3D printing. Uh, especially as more metal products are being made, and uh, I mean, g- give us your opinion on that. I mean, it, it's not viewed as a as a potentially disruptive technology by a lot of people, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I think we probably had a little bit of this uh, uh, conversation at the event, but I think uh, you know the 3D printing in the fastener world is you know I think it is going to be a disruptive technology at some point. I don't. Uh, I don't think it's there yet, and you know you're starting to see a little bit of of metal involved in 3D printing. So for us, I think you know the types of products R and D manufacturers. I think 3D printing is a ways away, but it's something we're, we will watch, like any technology in manufacturing. Um, but yeah, I think if if you're talking in the you know obviously in that plastic world that it, it's it's got to be there as disruptive already and and something you have to be paying attention to in the metal world i wouldn't say it's not going to come but you know i think it's a ways away for for the types of products we make and the the expectations with you know the quality of the material the applications they go in um there's so much around grain size and grain flow and microstructure that i think 3d printing of metal is is a ways away but believe me, we'll we'll watch it and pay attention to it and see where it goes. I mean, if you if you go out ten years, just say no, where we are now, you're you're right. It's there's a lot of work has to be done. Um, but if you um, you know, I remember a time I'd, it was probably I don't know, may have been it was ten years back, but there was a time when there were four destroyers disabled in the Pacific at the same time, same breakage. Okay. And it was a it was a mis I'd say labelled actually I'd say misproduced actually um, bolt it was made out of the wrong material and labelled and stamped with one stamp that's a very expensive you've got four destroyers that's you know eighty million bucks worth of product sitting dead in the water so for these people you know I mean even the navy it's of some use to them to think maybe we can um, print something on a boat you know we can have a printer on a boat i mean some of this technology is going to get there because it's going to be the costs of not having it are going to be too high this is not the same as building to man, you know manufacturing but this is repair yeah i i, I agree with you i mean the, the technology is gonna evolve out of need um i think Going back to that owner's forum, you know, there was just a lot of talk about speed of manufacture and lead times and all those things. And, and you know, that demand is drives technology and drives, you know, process. So, 
So I, I see different types of technologies coming. Don't know what they are, but you know that's one of the things we talk about internally a lot is you know what's going to disrupt our our market, our customer base, our manufacturing process, and you know we, you got to try to keep an eye out for that. Right, and the question is, you know, and the I guess the the manufacturers or distributors who sort of sit watching the wave will be the ones who will be a part of it, and yes. You know, because when it, you know, when it finally becomes viable, someone's got to provide these things to the guy who wants to make the, who wants to get the bolts. I mean, it's going to be a, maybe the role of the distributor or manufacturer changes, but someone has got to have the drawings to produce these things. Yeah, That's exactly right. And you're also going to have to have many. When you talk military shipyards, you're going to have to have manufacturing procedures rewritten, standards rewritten just for a new manufacturing process. Uh, so there would be a lot of work that would have to be done before the parts actually that's manufactured that way actually went into the marketplace, and that would give us some leading indicators as a manufacturer of what's coming down the line. Right. So with this in mind, bear in mind that Boeing has just led a contract to produce titanium struts for the 787 to be 3D printed by a Norwegian company. And the yeah, FAA right. and the, and you the want FAA. To get on that plane? <laughs> yeah, I do. Be the first one. <laughs> well, with the FAA, the FAA has has to certify it, okay? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, let's just fast forward like five, ten years or whatever it might be and say that the equipment and the chemistry and the technology is out there and it's proliferating. And it's not like there's not enough pressure on the distribution model already without something like this coming down the pike but let's face it it is coming so i could see a time when guys like yourselves you might almost turn into or part of your business might turn into almost like a service bureau type of a thing you know where customers maybe they're sending you cad files their drawings of parts and they spec them out for you and you just burn them out until the day comes when the technology is so acquirable, the prices come down that uh, you know it's just like what happened with uh, with with color printing. You know, the service bureaus now everyone's got one on their desktop, something along those lines. Yeah, you can see that, and uh, you know, and so you take that and you 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 know you grow or you change with the business cycle and the and and the technology and. You know, I think that's kind of business 101 across the board that you have to evolve and change with the marketplace regardless of what it is and, you know, always figure out a way to carve out your niche. So, you know, there's going to be changes come down and we'll have to be flexible and, and agile and, and roll with it. And, you know, we, we now see a lot of customers, you know, just with the, uh, with the availability of CNC machines and, and that technology, you know, we see a lot of customers bringing those machines into their shops and doing some of the things that they would have had to go to either us or, uh, or another CNC shop to do. And, you know, so you see that coming now <laughs> and, you know, we have to be aware of that and, and work to it. And, and there's still always a market niche that we can have and carve out and a way we can service those customers. And, you know, we've got a lot of, a lot of customers that have some ability to machine and we still have 
a lot of business with them and, and it, you know, things work well. So yeah, I think 10, 20 years down the road, I think all of our businesses are going to look a lot different if we are still in business <laughs> and you stay in business by, by, you know, being aware of what's going on and changing and adapting and, and just being active in the marketplace. So, I mean, you can think back 20 years and there's a lot of, a lot of industries, a lot of businesses that are, that are gone. And, uh, we can see tons of examples in the technology world, especially where, where business models are gone and the companies who adapt and change with it are around and the companies that don't, you know, they're no longer around. So, um, yeah, something you got to be paying attention to and, and being on the, on the, you know, kind of cutting edge with and, and see where it takes you. Yeah, you know, I mentioned pressures on the current distribution model. I was having a conversation with one of the managers over there at Emerald Expositions recently. They're the new owners of the Vegas show, and they're doing some pretty deep research into the market. And uh, she threw out a stat. I don't know where she got it. Uh, she seemed pretty confident in it. But she said the North American fastener business right now, only 30% of uh, the product goes through distribution. I was kind of surprised by that number. Yeah, I'd be surprised by that number as well. Um, I think uh, I think in our kind of segment of the fastener business, I, I, I would gosh, I just think it was much higher than that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you know we we are out here in California where aerospace is dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another little segment people are usually shocked we don't participate in is the aerospace world, but it's it's it has its its requirements and niches too that you know we don't play in that world. So, but I you know out here you do see that the majority of the aerospace manufacturers you know there's a good chunk of that market goes direct, and I think if you include you know some of those markets you might get closer to that, but yeah I, I'd be surprised at a thirty percent number too. So I would say especially for R and D where you know. 95 plus percent of all of our business goes through distributors. So um, we definitely focus in on that distributor market. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I was wondering. Okay. You know, speaking of, uh, I guess that might have answered part of my question, but speaking of uh, Pat West, that's more of just a fastener organization, right? In other words, you don't have to be a, a distributor necessarily. Like the NFDA is more geared towards distributors versus uh, Pac West or even MWFA, some of the other regionals. Yeah, our, our focus at PacWest, at the Pacific West Fastener Association, is definitely fastener distributors. That is our goal. In fact, we have a goal uh, as an association, uh, and I can't quite remember exactly what the ratio is, but we want to be well over 50% distributor members and then a, a, a manufacturer or a, a service provider like a plater or a heat treat house or a, a self-lock or something like that. They're welcome to join, but they join as associate members. Uh, so, you know, R&D is an associate member to PacWest, uh, as well as the NFDA, because um, we're a manufacturer. But definitely fastener distributors is the goal of growth for uh, PacWest. Yeah, and the other terminology there, the lingo is supplier. You're supplier to the distributor members. And that's pretty cool, too, because you are the vice president, current vice president of the PacWest, aren't you? That's right. Having a good time with it. I think I'm in year year number two. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, if you had anything to do with the pre- recent meeting, you did a great job. Okay. <laughs> well, it's it's a lot of fun. Vicky and her gang are uh, do a really good job administrating the organization, and I have a great time with just the board members that are on there. Uh, you know, Kevin Chavez, uh, our president, 
he goes back with us uh, a long ways, even back to his uh, previous employer from Star. And uh, so he's just a great guy, and it's really my pleasure, honestly, to you know help him in any way I can. He's he's a smart dude and does a great job leading our organization. Now he's in his second term as president, and uh, when does the officer shift happen? When when does everybody scramble and play musical chairs next time? Well, I think we're looking every year we rotate a few, um, so we actually try to stagger the board members. Uh, but this next term in uh, 2018, I think, is when Kevin's term would be up as president. So we'll be putting a uh, – I don't think he's going to want to go for a third term, as nice of a guy as he is. <laughs> nine, nine years in a row. That just uh, – that would be incredible. So I think it's 2018. But other than that, every year we kind of stagger, uh, stagger the board members. Okay. Well, it's about time for Russ Dorn to be back in president as president again anyway, so <laughs> – that's right. We'll call Rust. He's got more. T- he's got more time now on his hands. So you know, <laughs> come right back out and help us out. That's funny. Yeah. Speaking of staggering directors, I saw a few of those out there at the event as well. That was good to see, especially on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Great group of people. So you guys are the consummate California boys, although you do have a pretty strong work ethic. And let's say it this way, there's a lot of folks in California who do, but you have a great rep as fun-loving kinds of guys. And uh, you really, uh, from everything I've heard, you you had kind of an interesting uh, experience growing up out there. And you did all of the things that Californians are supposed to do, including flying through the desert at breakneck speeds on motorcycles, shooting high-powered weapons, uh jumping out of high places, all kinds of things like that. Yeah, uh, you know, being out in California, everybody already thinks you beat to a different drum. And, you know, I think on the work side, we'll say we beat to a different drum a little bit, too. But, uh, yeah, growing up in California, you know, we, we've kind of had a that whole, you know, I think action sports and skateboarding and all those things kind of birthed out of California. You get to bulk of the motocross seems to be or somewhere around California, although there's a few other hot spots in the in the nation with the Carolinas and things if you if you follow the supercross events and things like that. But uh so yeah, we've got a lot of motorcycle riding uh hobbies, uh dirt street as well and you know, Chris and I in our we'll say that we're in our forties and we still enjoy the skateboarding and and uh some of those those types of events, although, you know, maybe we do it with a few more pads on our body these days, but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean you got smarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know you do tend to get a little smarter with those things with age. But uh, you know, being where we're at in Southern California, we've got mountains for for even snow skiing. You know, within about an hour and a half, and and uh, the ocean in a, within about an hour, and the desert in about an hour, and and just about any uh, kind of outdoor fun activity you wanna you wanna do, we we've got pretty close access to, and we've probably uh, had them all as hobbies at one point or another. Uh, a few remain constant, and you know that's motorcycles and skateboards. We we love the Mojave Desert and uh, everything about it. We love the conservation of it. We love to play in it, and uh, so that's a lot of fun on dirt bikes. And out, outside Ryan and I's front doors, we probably have fifteen to twenty high class, world class skateboard parks, and we like to uh, spend a lot of time in those as well. That keeps you young. It just never, never get out of the 80s, man. Go, go back to the 80s and stay there. 
<laughs> well, my first skateboards were like in the 70s, and they were a whole lot different than what I see out there these days. Now, make no mistake, it's been many years since I've stepped foot on one in a in a meaningful way, but... God damn, the, the skateboards that are out there now, some of them are like the size of surfboards. They got all kinds of high-end stuff. I mean, uh, it was pretty basic back then compared to what it is these days. Yeah, they, there's, they come in every shape and size, man, for every personality and style to, of riding. Uh, you know, Ryan and I, we, after riding for a handful of years, we decided we'd design and, and create our own skateboards. So we, uh, we designed our own shape and we called it McCaffrey Skates and, just went out there and uh, had fun tearing up our own equipment and uh, handing them out to kids who maybe didn't have uh, the opportunity to buy a board or needed something. You know, we were able to help them out, and uh, so we we just love the whole the whole scene out here. Uh, skateboarding really brings people together, uh, and you would you'd be amazed when you go to the skate parks in California. You see guys into their fifties that have really never stopped riding skateboards from the time they were just kids. You know this. Uh, always once it's in your blood it doesn't really leave you until you physically can't do it anymore <laughs> hey show me a 50 year old skater and i'll show you someone who's young at heart i got what you mean yeah exactly exactly it's a lot of fun yeah well god bless you you know funny thing being in california though i always think of it here being a midwest guy and we like to rip on california as great of a place as it is because let's face it we're jealous right because we always have crappy weather okay like today <laughs> It's 85 and sunny today. So. Thank you. It's real, I'm really pleased to know that, okay? <laughs> it's gray and dreary raining here. Yeah. Hey, as much as you guys can might be jealous of our weather, uh, we get jealous of uh, the lower taxes and, and sometimes better government policies you guys have out there. So it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Uh, what I was going to ask you was, uh, like, are there really stringent safety laws and stuff? I mean, can you get fined if you're caught at the skate park without a helmet on, for example? Depends on the park. You got parks out here that are uh, just wide open, unfenced. Uh, really, just have a, a set of rules on the sign, but uh, no no pad requirements. You, we have other parks that are privately managed, where uh, you know you have to be a member to actually go in, and uh, those are a lot of fun. And then we have uh, cities that have put up parks, and they. They watch, you know, the rules very closely. It's full pads, and if you get caught even as a parent inside there without pads on, you get a ticket. So, you know, it, you just have to know what, what the rules are depending on uh, what park you're in. There's no, you know, overseeing, governing body of it. That kind of goes anti-skateboarding. Right, right. Sometimes they overregulate activities. I mean, it could be my favorite activity, fishing. You go to certain places, and, you know, you can't have a beer while you're out in the boat, which kind of defeats most of the purpose of it you know and it's like i don't know yeah. some people are really overbearing so it sounds like you got to know where the party friendly skate parks are just like you do with everything else yep that's right now you mentioned boating california just passed a law that you have to have a uh, safety boater license now to put your boat in the water so we've we've never had that you've never had to have a license to drive a boat but uh, starting this year thank you to california you will have to have a license to mo operate a motorboat Wow. That's, that's like any sort of boat. This is not as if you're trying to go off the coast. It's just even on a lake. Even on a lake, yeah. Yeah, I've heard where, where other places are doing this, and I think it's happening in Ontario, Canada, um, but where they're implementing those types of laws, they're usually grandfathering people in. So it's like the younger generation is getting saddled with all this extra stuff. You know, they phase it in. Yeah. 
I don't I don't know if we I don't know if we're that bright here in California. Whoa. <laughs> okay. I think most hey, of our our, go- our government isn't that bright. Yeah, there's generally no lack of regulation in California, that's for sure. Well, we're going to resist the urge to comment further on it. I think fully threaded <laughs> listeners who listen to the interview with Andy Cohn will will probably uh, find that pretty good. We're going to walk away from that because boy, there are a lot of things going on right now. I've been watching this whole Oroville Dam thing happen, and oh, oh man, yeah, that's something else. Wouldn't you love to know where they spent all the money that was earmarked to keep that that dam functional? Yeah, we could get into a uh, several segments. I'm sure on on fully threaded about. Uh, the California government and their fiscal responsibilities for infrastructure and other such things. But like you said, that's probably, probably best for another, another, another time because it's, it's, it's pretty in depth on, on where you could go with that. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure that you actually have much more of a problem than places like the state of Illinois, which is, you know, basically bankrupt. Okay. It was at a hundred billion in debt um, and going up. So, they're all equally bad, okay? Well, there are several states that are in really deep trouble, that's for sure. But at least none that I know of has a situation where like five to eight million are living under the sword of Damocles at the moment. I mean, that is a that is a bona fide disaster waiting to happen. And cross your fingers, nothing does. But uh, yeah. So, guys, then uh, before we get off the Rip California subject, what's your take on the? the kind of somewhat half-hearted um, topic of secession for California. I mean, you, you hear it all. At first, it used to come up just kind of jokingly. Now you actually hear people talking about it seriously. The old Cal Exit is what we're calling it. Cal yeah. Exit. <laughs> right. Hey, you know, constitutionally, it has a shot at happening, but it's uh, probably statistically impossible. Even if, uh, if they're going to get a vote, I think, on the next ballot to see if we can Put a put it before the people at the next major election, right? So we're going to get something on our next ballot that says, "Do you want to vote on Cal Exit?" And I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And once that yeah. happens, you have to get a certain amount of the vote, and then we vote on it, actually removing ourselves. And we have to get, I think, 50 percent of the, I I don't even know the facts. I think it's 50 percent of the voter base has to vote. We're never going to get that. And then you have to win that by fifty percent. And then if we win that, it goes to the states to vote. And I don't, I don't know. Do you think the United States of America, state by state, would vote to allow California to exit the union? No, no. But I'm not sure. I mean, um, if you think back 150 years, I'm not sure what the conditions that a state can attempt to secede. Ah, because I think that was what were they considered illegal about the southern states. That was there was no mechanism to secede from the union. No, there's no constitutional provision for that, and I, I have to agree with you. I think I think a lot of people outlying states would would definitely say see you bye, but uh, I, it's not going to happen. I don't see it at all. But here's the other question though. So at the same time, talk of that secession is swirling around. You've also got. A whole another group of people who just want to split the state up into either two or three separate regions. Do you think that's getting any traction? No, I don't I think like they're that option better though. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they can. Ha- I believe there's only one. Well, I could be wrong here. I believe there's only one state that actually has the right to break itself up, which is the state of Texas, and I believe that was the conditions of its entry into the union. 
Well, you know, I will tell you that the CalExit group out here after the recent presidential election, like, quadrupled in their membership or people who signed up and signed their petition. So it definitely has some legs. We'll see something on the ballot, but I think it'll die there. Unless, you know, our Governor uh, Brown takes us, you know, breaks the state financially, I I don't know that anything like that could could get through. Maybe if we went bankrupt. Oh, I think you're a long way from that. Ask Andy Andy Cohen about that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I hope we can get him back on the show someday after that last conversation. Eh, I'm, I'm sure we will. <laughs> well, this hasn't been very predominantly fastener-related. So uh, what would you guys be doing if you weren't in the fastener industry, given all your various interests? Oh, gee. I don't know, man. They say once you're in the fastener industry, you're in it for life. I was told that when I got my first job uh, by a customer my first job in the fastener industry, and, and it's and it's holding to be true. You know, I, I the fastener industry isn't sexy, but it's really good. Uh, you know, there's enough business for any company who wants to exist and find a niche and service their customers well. There's there's going to be market share for them to capture because the industry is just too big. Uh, they, it, uh, to me, the opportunity here is uh, is endless. But if if we weren't doing fasteners, I don't know, man. I might be out rescuing dogs or something. <laughs> <laughs> professional yeah, there's, there's there's always a, a yeah the I think the passion like like that and for me you know I've been in manufacturing for 25 years and and I couldn't see myself spending you know the career time doing anything else other than building something making something that's that's what's fun and you know the fasteners has been has been great too so you know a lot of hobbies that would be uh, uh, interesting to be able to make a living at but. Maybe it's uh, the advice I give my kids that uh, you probably have a lot of passions and a lot of hobbies that you could never make a living at. So make a living at something you're good at as well. And, you know, manufacturing is, is one of those things for me. So, so yeah, I don't have any desire to, to do much else than, than manufacturing of some kind. So it's where I'd be. Well, you're lucky you fell into that. I mean, lots of people don't actually find anything they like doing for a lot of their life. That's right. you got to enjoy it. Well, you've got your heart in this industry, and I'll tell you, when we were at that uh, owner's conference over there at the event, that really came through. Uh, We were sitting at the same table, and you had a lot of great contributions. I could tell you were thoroughly into it. Don Nowak from Falcon was also at our table, and, uh, of course, John Walkman was the moderator at ours, and I really enjoyed listening to everybody. A lot of smart guys in that room, and it was an, an excellent opportunity to really percolate on some of the some of the things that are going on. Well, uh, so speaking of questions, we'll wind down with this one. We'll put you on the spot a little bit. What are you seeing out there in the industry? What are you predicting for the next quarter or two, if anything? The next quarter or two, it's anyone's guess. Uh, I've been out on the road uh, quite a bit recently from coast to coast asking that exact question to many of our customers, and we're experiencing uh, and hearing a lot of optimism. Uh, that the end of this year, especially when you're talking uh, military-type business, shipbuilding, uh, uh, that um, 2018 is going to be, uh, you know, a banner year. It's going to be very, very busy. Uh, and then also across the energy sector, uh, all sectors of it, people are, uh, you know, waiting for it to swing back around, and it is starting to swing back around a bit, but a lot of optimism out there. So we're uh, we're gearing up to have a, a busy next couple of years. 
uh, even when you're listening to the economists out there talking, you know, uh, growth over the next couple of years. So we're we're optimistic. Okay, good. Glad to hear that. Well, we'll take that. We're speaking with Chris and Ryan McCafferty. They're with R&D Fasteners operating out of Rancho Cucamonga, California. Folks can get out to their website. That's rdfast.com. They've got a pretty nice site. tells what they do. Before we let you guys go, Chris, I know you've got some events coming up with Pat West. You probably want to shout out what you guys have going. Yeah, thank you. So the PacWest has a couple of uh, really great events coming up uh, uh, here this year. Um, point out our fall conference. It's going to be in Whistler, Canada. So if you're if you're wanting to go north this fall uh, and just be a part of a great event, it's going to be August 23rd through the 26th at uh, Fairmont Chateau in Whistler, Canada. Uh, I'll be there, and uh, so we want to. If you want to check that out, you can go to pac-west.org, pacwest.org. And uh, another cool thing the PacWest has been doing the last couple of years is we have some events called after-hours events. They're held at breweries uh, up and down the West Coast. The next one coming up is May 25th at Carl Strauss Brewing Company in Anaheim, California. So if you're around uh, May 25th and you want to get uh, you're close to the Anaheim area, Go to PacWest.org and uh, sign up for that. It's a free event, uh, and they are uh, these events are well attended. Uh, we usually get uh, well over 50, between 50 and 100 people that attend, uh, and it's just meant to uh, get people out of the office, uh, get them in a nice environment where you can have some good networking opportunity and uh, uh, conversations. Uh, and I'll be out at that event. Ryan and I will be there together. Uh, so we, uh, we'd love to see you. Sounds pretty good. And we'd expect nothing less from the grooviest of all the fastener associations. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we appreciate you guys thinking of us. You know, we we tend to lay low. Uh, you know, you said a lot of people know of R and D out there. We we've always uh, tried to keep a low profile, but it's uh, it's good to get our name out and uh, dialogue a little more with the industry. And so we appreciate you guys uh, fully threaded giving us an opportunity to. Uh, chat hopefully we didn't embarrass ourselves too much. <laughs> well, you'll soon find out <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think so you're right i think you'll be okay chris and ryan mccafferty r&d fasteners and it's fully threaded radio we'll be right back brian and eric your online fastener talk radio brothers and thread fully threaded radio What makes Lindstrom a leading specialty fastener master distributor? For years, you've known Lindstrom as the premier name in metric fasteners, with an expanded product line that now includes the largest assortment of fasteners and components of any master distributor. Today, Lindstrom means much more than metric. At Lindstrom, we're focused on a single goal, to bring our distributors the perfect combination of convenience, flexibility, value, and choice delivered by the most experienced sales team in the industry. For inch or metric fasteners, standard or special, in any finish, all packed to your requirements, turn to Lindstrom, where we have what you need and deliver it the way you want. To learn more about Lindstrom and our expanded brand of value-added products and services, visit lindstromfastener.com or call a sales representative at 1-800-572-5550. Lindstrom, by any measure.
Industries has been solving customers' toughest problems through innovative technologies, competitive pricing, and industry-leading service since 1955. A family-owned business, ND Industries manufactures and applies fastener locking, bonding, sealing, masking, and assembling products. Their pre-application process makes fasteners ready to use at the point of assembly, resulting in reduced labor costs, time savings, and superior quality assurance. As a fully integrated company, ND handles all aspects of operations from formulating custom chemical compounds and coating fasteners to providing inline inspection, packaging, and delivery services. Andy Industry serves the global market with 13 divisions in the continental U.S. and also facilities in Taiwan, China, and Turkey. Learn more about Andy Industries at our website at www.ndindustries.com. Andy Industries, innovative technologies, competitive pricing, and industry-leading service. Contact ND today. Did you know Mexico accounts for 34% of all trade in Latin America? Hi, everybody. It's Lynn Dempsey, here to announce the meeting point for the Latin American fastener industry. It's Mac Brooks Fastener Fair Mexico, which takes place on June 20th and 21st, 2017 in Mexico City. Fastener Fair Mexico attracts manufacturers, distributors, suppliers, and end users from across Latin America's fastest growing industries. With over 2,000 buyers, more than 200 exhibiting companies from around the world, and a highly informative distributor business development conference, this third edition of the show is set to be the biggest yet. As the leader in worldwide fastener exhibitions, Mac Brooks has pulled out all the stops to provide maximum value for any fastener distributor operating or considering doing business in Latin America. Don't miss Fastener Fair Mexico, June 20th and 21st in Mexico City. For booth space, details, and to register online, log on to www.fastenerfair.com Mexico. That's fastenerfair.com Mexico. First, there was fire. And man said, Fire, good. Then there was the wheel. And man said, Wheel, good. With the invention of the wheel came the need for fasteners. And man loudly exclaimed, Buckeye, good. Buckeye fasteners, providing quality products since the dawn of man. The preceding message was brought to you by Buckeye Fasteners and the Ohio Nut and Bolt Company, proud fastener show sponsors of Old Rusty Bolt Beer, official beer of the traveling salesman. Tell them Grog sent you. Ugh. This is Rich from Metric and Multi, live at the Midwest Fastener, fastener Tech Show, and you're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Brian and Eric back with you to close out another episode of Fully Threaded Radio, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris and Ryan. A couple of great guys. Actually, Chris, I think he was at the he was like the chair of the table that I sat with, you know, at in, in Long Beach. Did a great job, and um, it was a good set of discussions we had. You know, my first skateboard was a Goofy Foot. A what? A goofy foot. 
It was like a roller skate fastened to a two-by-four, basically. <laughs> Pretty primitive. <laughs> okay. And that you actually bought that in a shop, did you? Oh, I don't even remember where it came from, but uh, I had it and actually had an epic wipeout, and I smashed my head really good. And uh, But instead of getting a helmet, I explained to my mom why I needed a board with urethane wheels. And uh, so I got that. I think that was called a GT, but compared to these things these guys are flying around on these days, uh, it was just a, a, a relic. I mean... <laughs> Well, yeah, I can't even say that because they hadn't even thought of skateboards when I was. We had bicycles, okay? That was it. Well, those are two high-energy guys, and uh, I could just imagine them at the uh, skateboard park and uh, beards flying in the wind, and maybe we'll make it out there someday, but only as observers, i got to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, for me, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> So let's thank Chris and Ryan McCaffrey from R&D Fasteners, also Bob GQ Bear of Abbott Interfast and the MWFA, and Marty Nolan of RL English and the Fastener Industry Coalition. That's right. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed Carmen Vertulo's exposition on hydrogen and brittleman, everybody. Man, could you imagine what it must be like to spend a day and a half course with Carmen on that subject? I mean, oh. Well, it'd be like, for you, it'd be like mana from heaven, I would think. Maybe I'll sign up for the essay contest. Yeah, maybe. You have to polish up your writing. Well, your writing's pretty good, but, you know, Lynn and Sue, they're pretty fussy, okay? Yeah. Actually, I don't think I'm allowed to participate. Isn't it something like friends and family and employees of FCH and FTR are, are ineligible? There's always a catch, man. Yeah. Well, good thing we had the Fastener Training Minute today. <laughs> Mike McNulty and Dave Manthe ran down the Fastener Distributor Index numbers. I thought the analysis was really good because even though the number went down, we're still above the 50 mark, so we still have expansion, just not quite as much. And I really enjoyed Dave explaining how, you know, you can only keep getting better and better and better for so long. And so this is kind of a natural swing, if you want to interpret that way, for this type of diffusion index. Right. And the other thing is, as we sort of, as, as my personal view, it's not, I'm sure it's not Dave Manthe's view, but my view was that the, the previous month was a bit of an anomaly. It was a swing swing sort of swung a little bit too far. I don't think that anyone really thought that their numbers or their sales were mirrored by the the great increase in the FDI last month. I think this has brought it a little bit back into realistic territory. Well, let's just hope that it stays over 50. That's kind of the magic number. Yeah, right. The title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Stellfast and Lindstrom. Stellfast, for service you deserve and people you trust, it's Stellfast. And Lindstrom, by any measure. Fully Threaded is also sponsored by 3Q, Buckeye Fasteners, Fastenal, Fastener Technology International, Fastener Fair Mexico, InSQL Software, the National Industrial Fastener and Mill Supply Expo, ND Industries, The Worth Group, Volt Industrial Plastics, and Solution Industries, home of Solution Man. Hey, if you've got comments, questions, anything else you want to get off your chest, please reach out to us. The email address is ftr at fullythreaded.com, or you can do so on Twitter. The handle's Fully Threaded. We sure do appreciate you telling your friends, acquaintances, and coworkers about the podcast. The uh, word keeps spreading, and uh, 
It's just a kind of guerrilla marketing tool that we've got going here, but it's more than that. It's really uh, kind of a community of the fully threaded uh, family is kind of developed into. So we sure do appreciate that. We appreciate you listening every episode. Right. And just remember, it's a convenient way of passing the time. If you've got a long drive, if you're on a flight somewhere, just as long as you've got your phone and you've um, got a set of headphones, you can uh, listen to a podcast, catch up on things. Or if your headphones are good enough when you're mowing the lawn. Right. That mine aren't quite that sort, okay? It's like the national pastime of rural northeast Ohio. <laughs> what, mowing lawns? Yeah. Or listen, listening to podcasts? <laughs> well, I don't know about the podcast, but uh, I swear there's guys out here with like five acres. It's like they spend every day after work out there on their tractors. It's just the thing to do here in, uh, I guess you'd call it semi-rural northeast Ohio. Yeah, the green, the green belt, okay. Right, We're like kind of the gateway to uh, the true rural part of the world. I say, so Ravenna, gateway to what? Everything, everything's a gateway to something, isn't it? Everything is. I don't know what Ravenna's a gateway to, <laughs> but the other direction, you got Streetsboro, which their moniker is gateway to progress. Oh, okay, gateway to the local gym. Well, that's where the gym is, yeah. I always ask myself, though, you got to be going east or west to hit the progress. You know, I still haven't really found it. <laughs> okay. Well, when the FDI jumps up again, then you'll be getting finding the progress, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> One can always hope. Yeah. And we hope you'll tune in next time for episode 117. Again, we'll have Mr. Joe Voltrauer joining us. He'll be talking about his 25 years with Volt Industrial Plastics. And that's going to put episode 116 of the program in a can. Bri will see you out here next week for the NCFA Distributor Social. Looking forward to that. Yes, you will. And so am I. So are we. Okay. So until next time, folks, purvey screws. <laughs> purvey away. Yeah. And stay off skateboards, for God's sake, if you're over 40. Yeah, provide to your heart's content. <laughs> for Brian Musker, this is Eric Dudas. Get out there, sell some screws, and we'll talk to you next time. Fully Threaded Radio is a production of Fastener's Clearinghouse. Music provided by Audio Nautics.